Hello, and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood. My name is Caroline. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with Gretchen. Hey everyone, this is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns. And we are continuing our read of House of the Dragon. Oh no, I'm sorry. The book Fire and Blood, <laughs> of which the show House of the Dragon is based. Yes, correct. <laughs> I was I was actually rewatching the trailer for House of the Dragon earlier this morning. <laughs> I'm so excited. Mm, it's gonna be so good. I'm like starting to push the show on people around me because I'm like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. You should watch season one and then you should listen to my podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. Um, we are in the middle of the chapter, The Long Range, Harrison Allison. That's all about their kids. This is part four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the page ranges for this part are... We are the ending starting page. on 305. Um, last time and we ended with uh, Jahara saying that gods may not be done with us. And then we are ending on 315, the very top of 315, uh, just where at the end of where Alyssa dies. Mm-hmm. It's not a spoiler because that's what this section right. is about. Um, and if you have the physical book, there's a really cool picture of dragons there. Yeah. Which I love. That's uh, the, the, four, the fourth Dornish the, War. The quote, fourth Dornish War. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about that. All of these wars are so overblown. <laughs> uh, is this the only one that actually has anything to do with Dorne? But anyway. Yeah, the so, Dornish are actually here this time. Yeah, the Dornish are involved in this particular Dornish war. <laughs> so anyway, you were just mentioning the last time we ended on Jaehaerys saying the gods may not be done with us yet regarding the amount of children they have because Alisan was like, hey, bae, I think we're good. Done. I'm, I I'm, I'm I don't almost anymore. 40 and I don't want, I don't want any more of this. And Jahara said, I'm not going to stop fucking you. So um, uh-huh. we'll see what happens. And uh, you want to get into our high-level summary yes. of what what indeed happens? So uh, he was not wrong. He did, in fact, keep fucking his wife. And uh, yep. in the year 80 um, AC, and the queen was 44, um, mm-hmm. she gets pregnant. Um, Yay. To her, quote, surprise and dismay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, that's that's the right that's the right tone. Yeah. That's exactly what happens when you're 44 and you don't want any more children, and whoopsie doodle, oops, you're pregnant again. You're pregnant again. So uh, yep. this is Gail. This is their last child. Um, mm-hmm. Gail is called the Winter Child, spelled G A E L yeah. because we're Targaryens. Yep. So we gotta Gail. <laughs> Gail um, can't can't spell normally. Nope. Nope. Um, do you get it Gretchen she's the winter child she's named Gail get it it's a it's funny like the winter winds it, do you get it it's like a like a like a like the winds of fucking winter do you fucking get it <laughs> uh yeah I do um she's has like a sickly first year but survives and that is all we know about her for now um yep. I believe she comes back later but mm-hmm. um that's all we know about Gail for now um, mm-hmm. and then we move on to a big, big chunk of this section is about Dayella. Dayella. Oh, Dayella. Who is child number it's... eight, for those of you who don't remember. We talked about her last time in the sequence of, like, the four problem kids. The younger yes. children of Jaehaerys and Alisanne. The ones who do not conform. Um, yes. And Dayella, I think the last time, if I recall correctly, we talked about Dayella possibly being, like, 
delayed or um, mm-hmm. men- uh, mentally disabled in some fashion. I- it's hard to know from the text what label to ascribe. So I'd just be like an umbrella term kind of thing. Right. Um, and I think this section gives us more evidence of that. Yes. So she's frightened of a lot of stuff. She has trouble um, reading. She's... She has trouble, a lot of trouble reading. She can't memorize things. Like she can't remember like prayers, which... I mean, like, plenty of people aren't good at memorizing stuff, but, like, normally you can even teach, like, children prayers that they'll be able to recite forever, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I can still say a lot of the prayers I was taught when I was a small child. Yeah, unfortunately. so... Yeah. she And she can't do any of those things. She gets frightened very easily. There's, like, stories that she had, like, a kitten that she loved until it scratched her, and then she hated all cats. Um, mm. And, you know, these are signs that so- something's going on yep. with Dayella. Mm-hmm. And um, if she was in the modern world, maybe she would have services that would have helped. But alas, she's... Alas, Jaharis is like, why isn't she trying to get married? I don't get it. She's already 13. What's the problem? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Gotta marry off all the kids. Gotta live that heteronormative faith mm-hmm. lifestyle. Gotta marry off yep. all my kids. Yep. Exactly. Um, and it takes three Jaharis- years for her to find a husband, apparently. Allison's working on trying to find her husband, and Jaharis finally, when he, she's 16, he's like, I don't give a fuck who she marries, but she's got to be married by the end of this year. And wh- Which is like, why? 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 Why is he so upset about that? Mm. Why? We'll get into it. Why? <laughs> but she does get married. Who does she get married to? Roderick Aaron, who, while being 30 th- 36 years old, so he's 20 years older, okay, mm-hmm. he's already got four kids. But, like, he seems like a really nice man. I will be fair. For all of, like, the age gap relationships that can be really squicky, Mm -hmm. like, and uncomfortable, especially in Westeros, because it it will be, like, a teenage girl and, like, you know, a man in his 30s or 40s. Like, Roderick at least seems like a nice dude. Like, he seems really sweet, I will say. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because Alisande's concerned she wants somebody who will be really nice and patient with Dayella. And it does seem that Roderick is that person. Um... We could talk an analysis about the problematic aspect of him having sex with her, which he obviously does mm-hmm. because she gets pregnant. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of people getting pregnant and, yeah. and dying in this section. Um, yep. But before then, uh, Eamon, who, if y'all remember, he hasn't really been in this story much because he's just kind of doing whatever. Um, mm-hmm. He's elected to be minister of laws. So he's moving up, taking more authority since he is mm-hmm. the heir apparent um currently mm-hmm. um and then Balon and Alyssa Alyssa who loves having sex we love that for her she loves yeah very sex positive we love it um she and Balon have their second child um Damon our favorite they spicy boy <laughs> they have Damon oh I'm so excited this is another house of the dragon character yeah born. we're getting we're and getting more of them yes he's the second son and he's strong and et cetera. And that's good for them. And then we get word from the Vale because Dale had been taken back to the Vale with her husband um, that she's uh, pregnant and frightened. Yep. And I, I want to describe this a little bit because it'll be important in analysis. The Up until this point, letters had been coming from the Vale from Dayella mm-hmm. that were clearly written by somebody else because Dayella's book wasn't a strong reader writer. Mm-hmm. About how happy Dayella was there. Mm-hmm. And how great it was, etc. This letter comes and it seems to be actually written by Dayella. And it's like short and to the point. And it's like, mom, I'm pregnant and I'm scared. <gasps> and like, please come here. And 
so Alessandra immediately goes mm-hmm. to the veil. And I think we should circle back to that in analysis because I'm curious about those letters, those yeah. previous letters. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, what was and wasn't being communicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Allison goes, Dayella gives birth to Emma. Emma, Emma Aaron. Our third uh, House of the Dragon character. Emma yeah, Aaron is only yeah. in one episode. Emma spelled A-E-M-M-A because, again, Targaryens, we have a brand. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emma's born and Dayella dies from, uh, what's the fever called? Per- peripheral, not peripheral fever. That's not the right word. What's the word? Perinatal? It's the fever. Maybe? There's the word peripheral fever. I forget. I'll look it up at some point. There's a there's a word, a particular word for the kind of fever that you get when you get an infection after childbirth and die from yeah. that fever. Purple. It is spelled P-U-E-R-P-E-R-A-L. So purple. Purple fever. <laughs> the first person I the first person I ever heard say that word was Kylie on on a bash book snobbery. That is where I learned that vocabulary word. So she knows how to say it. <laughs> so yes, listeners, go ask yeah. Kylie. Kylie knows. Go ask Kylie. Kylie and Julia know how to say that. They have children. I don't know how to say that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, unfortunately, they all die. She's, what, 18? 18 years old. Oh, Jesus. Um, um, so, yes, still very young. Um, according to the maester, Alison is prideful, um, a.k.a. she's rightfully upset at Jaharis. I'm going to have thoughts about what the maester says about this. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. Oh. <gasps> So they, so she, she's mad at Jaharis. Think, she's mad at Jaharis. We'll talk about it. And then, um, in the middle of all this, there's a fourth Dornish war for a couple paragraphs, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is like dad and his two sons get to be really cool. Right. Cause Jaharis, Aemon and Balon go, uh, on their fucking dragons and they fight the quote unquote fourth Dornish war, which is the first time that this is actually like some kind of invasion happening. Right. And it's like the Prince of Dorne hired some ships and was like, I'm going to burn a hundred castles in the Stormlands or something. I'm so skeptical about whether or not this is what actually happened, but. I too am skeptical. I don't have theories about what it could be, mm-hmm. but maybe we'll talk about it. We'll see. Right. Maybe we can come up with something. Because it, it, sounds, it sounds so totally doomed from the jump that it's strange. Right. Right. And the only um, explanation that the maester provides is like, I don't know, he was probably crazy. And you're like. Right, exactly. Which is like. We do get this really cool illustration on uh, page, mm-hmm. it would be 314, would be the page of the dragons, the three dragons burning the ships. Um, and that's basically it. The three dragons go and burn the ships and they win. And but, everyone's but like, oh my God, they're I so manly. I thought that if you had crossbows on your ships, you would, you would kill a dragon. That's See, a, what that's happened what was- what Jeha- Thrones told me. What happens, Gretchen, is that Jaharis did not forget about the Dornish uh, fleet. You see? Okay. That's uh-huh. it. Yeah, he didn't forget he, that they existed. He didn't kind of forget about the Dornish fleet. He, rem- he remembered <laughs> that he was going there to fight the Dornish fleet. And that's why <laughs> one of his dragons didn't get murked in the face three times. <laughs> I was literally thinking of that scene as I was reading the section. I was like, wow, that was, still, that was just so bad. That was just such a... That was very bad. Anyway, David and Dan should go to jail. I don't. I. I. I, I just think that that we underuse the carceral system sometimes, and this is one of those times <laughs> where there should be just just a little, like a thirty day kind. Of, you know, if you shoplift, you go to jail for thirty days. I think if you if you do that, 
you should go to jail for 30 days. I think that's perfectly fair. Anyway. Right. Yeah. Like, so, thanks like for coming to my Like, mothers out here <clears throat> stealing formula for their babies are getting 30 days in jail. Meanwhile, these two fuckers are, 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 are doing this. Are getting paid a are ton of money to write terrible, terrible, awful things that millions of people watch and they get nothing. Jail. <laughs> directly to jail. Do not pass go. I just, that's in my personal opinion, directly to jail. Um, um so yeah anyway. and then the chapter ends with uh poor Alyssa. Alyssa. R.I.P. Alyssa gives birth to a third son um a who she names Aegon and she dies at the age of 24. So sometime after this birth it's unclear. It's like within 6 months or something. It's like yeah. really soon after. I, I don't know what could kill you post childbirth that long because like usually post-childbirth deaths are either like you're bleeding out or uh-huh. or you do bleed out or that like whole infection situation right but it seems like she got past the birth mm-hmm. but then died later so i don't know I've, I've maybe i don't know if we have any listeners who know these kind of things yeah, maybe there's she um, had to, like a long and difficult birth and never recovered so it's possible yeah. that like some maybe some kind of internal damage that was not visible to yeah. anybody that like happened because the birth was so long and difficult Mm-hmm. Um, um, cause yeah, it says she had a long and difficult labor and then just never recovered. So, mm. right. but I'm all, but and I then, also wouldn't put it past George to be like, that's a thing that can happen, right? Like just childbirth could just yeah. kill you in so many ways. Yeah. Some way, some, somehow. Or I mean, you know, maybe Gretchen will come back to, come back to this concept of if the Targaryens are magic and can't die from regular stuff. Maybe she got something regular. And the maester blamed it on, like, oh, it was post-birth. Yeah. You know, maybe she got, like, a flu and died. Mm-hmm. But they were like, no, Targaryens don't get the flu. Yeah, but, right. That, like, maybe know? she was weakened from the childbirth and then, like, got, like, a normal sickness. And they're like, well, Targaryens don't get sick, so it's got to be it's got to be the babies. Right. It could be. This could be one of those. You know, we're, we're, we're looking for examples of situations where the deaths are kind of vague. Uh-huh. You know? Right. They don't describe They don't describe that she had a fever. They don't describe that she wasn't, like, that she kept bleeding or hemorrhaging. Right. That she just, at 24, just poof, dies. Right. And someone who is as physically active and fit as mm-hmm. she is, it does seem kind of unusual that mm-hmm. um, that labor would, that like a quote, hard labor would like kill you three it's, months later. It's also interesting that she that she would have a hard labor because yet another thing I learned from Kylie uh, on, on Bashwick Snobbery, that... Um, she, uh, Alyssa had uh, like a proven uh, the phrase that Kylie uses was a proven cervix that she was she had given birth to two full term babies before yep. so it like kind of like how Catelyn Stark was like able to produce a lot of children like if you can do the first one you probably can do the subsequent ones mm-hmm. and it wasn't like Alyssa was like suddenly much older like in her 40s or something right. like that like she was it, at the right age for childbearing mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting that this would happen so uh, i'm curious yeah because generally childbirth yeah. gets not i mean and i'm i am generalizing but it's mm-hmm. not always this way but generally childbirth gets easier with every subsequent pregnancy if they mm-hmm. are especially if they are close together because your mm-hmm. muscles are like used to it right um and your bones have spread mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah so yeah in yeah. general if you've had this like three children within the span of what like six years eight years like generally that would like you wouldn't it would be highly unusual to have a hard labor unless that i mean the one exception which the book doesn't which the text doesn't give us is potentially if the child was extra large 
Or if there was another thing, like if it was like a breach bird yeah, or something breach. like that, but the text doesn't give, and, and they have those, they have that language, and the text uh-huh. doesn't give that to us. Right. So. Right. Or um, there could have been a pl- an issue with the placenta, because that's the other thing that could happen, you know, like. Mm-hmm. The placenta could have been partially obstructing the birth canal. Anyway, sorry, my mom was a my mom was a nurse and she did a lot yeah. of stuff with childbirth and like infants. So like, yeah, I'm I'm not yeah. had kids, but I know a lot of stuff about it. So <clears throat> yeah, same. I've not I've not had children myself, but I I, I have many friends who have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so I've heard many things, but alas, anyway, we won't get into any more detail about the, the intricacies of childbirth and that for anybody listening. Yeah, alas, Alyssa, so, Alyssa dies, and so does the baby. Aegon dies before the end of the year. Yeah, before he gets too bad. Old. It's just a bad luck thing. Right. It really is. It, you know what? It really is. I wonder. We've had a couple Aegons, right? Because uh, Alysanne's first son, Aegon, mm-hmm. dies, and now this Aegon dies. We should keep tabs on this. And we've got Aegon the Uncrowned. Aegon the Uncrowned. I mean, oh. Husband, yeah. So far, the only Aegon that's been, that's mm. made it to kinghood is uh, Aegon the Conqueror. Hmm. <clears throat> All right. Well, I won't say any spoilers about future Aegons, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep tabs on this pattern. This is, I like this. I like this. You, you got me onto this naming thing mm-hmm. when you started pointing out the fucking patterns with the names. Uh-huh. You keep, you keep getting in my fucking head, Gretchen. <laughs> the, 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 the listeners don't know this, but I'm reading through, I'm almost done with um, A Dance with Dragons, or I'm like halfway through with Dance with Dragons right now. Mm-hmm. And there's so many fucking times when this white worm imagery comes up. And every time I copy the, the passage and I send it to Gretchen, and I'm like, it's happening again! <laughs> oh, it's, it's everywhere. It's really satisfying, it's everybody, when she sends me one of those oh. and is like, I found it again. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah, Martin really loves this. I, I, I'm like, sorry I broke your brain. You're going to see this everywhere. <laughs> you did. You did. I love that. I, I would love, like, not for me to write this. I would love for, like, you or someone who's smarter than me to write, like, a, an analysis of the times that appears uh-huh. throughout the text. Because I I do think it's significant. Sometimes I think that, like, authors subconsciously like certain images or certain tropes or whatever, and it's not, like, significant. Like, by way of example, Taylor Swift has a lot of lyrics in different songs about wearing red lipstick, like, red lips this, red lips that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just an image that she subconsciously, like, likes, and it rhymes pretty easily with stuff and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I don't think it has, like, s- more significance than that, than, like, being a really, like, visual image. And being something she can copy in real life, where she wears red lipstick a lot, right? Right. Uh, but then I, there are images that I think authors are doing intentionally, and I do, I do think George is intentionally putting it in, based on how frequently it appears, mm. and how frequently the language is similar between very different, disparate things. Right. You know. Anyway, alas. So this section. <laughs> this section. Um. So we've, the mace. What was the mace? What thinking? was the mace thinking? Um. I mean. This section and, like, any time I feel like we're talking about Jaehaerys and his daughters, I mean, we're going to be getting more of this as there's, I mean, the, the misogyny goggles are are, are pretty <laughs> pretty thick right now. Yep, yep, um, yep. Yeah, and we are, I think one of the things that we want, that we're going to talk about maybe in the themes and a little bit in analysis about how, like, there's no, there's no right way to be a Targaryen princess in Westeros, and this is, we're starting to see that. And that's part of the misogyny yep. goggles because there's all there's always something that's a flaw about all of Jaehaerys' daughters, um, mm-hmm. and I think Martin's trying to do a thing about like even within the Targaryen royal family with all of these women with all who are all very different, none mm-hmm. of them can do it right. Yeah, Alyssa gets the yeah. closest, 
to doing Alisan it, right? and Alyssa get the closest, yeah. Uh-huh. But they're, part of the reason they get the closest is that they marry their brothers. Yes. <laughs> you know? So it's like, ah, yes, that's the way to be it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I think also we should, we should say at the outset, the, this section is very much based on this concept that, like, like Dayella's Dale this mostly this is Dayella's story. This section, mm-hmm. like Dayella has to get married, right? Yep. yep. The the concept that you have to get married uh-huh. is fucking fake. Yep. It's fake because I do I I get into debates with people about this story, and I think people, and this is a, this is a function of the text. The text is, is because of its point of view bias, because of the Macer's bias of you know being like this is the patriarchy and this is how it works. It's easy as a reader to adopt that as your rule set and apply it, you know, and be like, oh, well, Jaharis has a point. Like, she needs to get married. Like, no, she doesn't. She doesn't. The, that rule set is made up and it's the patriarchy and the patriarchy is bad for everyone. And this is an example of the patriarchy being bad for everyone. Um, so, like, just like we should be fundamentally questioning, particularly when it comes to Jaharis and his daughters, that rule set that he is applying Mm -hmm. because that is that is made up that is not like an absolute rule set right i think it's important in this with this daughter and his other daughters as well Mm -hmm. right right especially because as the ruling family he they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want like they've got dragons and they should be able to make whatever rules they want for themselves and no one should be able to tell them no so the fact that he's imposing these values is yet again a sign that like He's imposing these things. Like, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no actual rules. When you got dragons, you could be like, I want ten partners of various genders, and mm-hmm. <clears throat> I never want to have kids and no babies, and no yeah. babies, and no one should yeah. be able to tell you no because you're like, if you don't like it, then like, you know, my dragon's hanging out in the courtyard, and you could go. And I mean, Jaharis uses that to his advantage because he said, I want to marry my sister, and he made that happen. Mm-hmm. So like, he knows how. He knows how to break the rules of the Westerosi patriarchy when it's convenient for him. Uh-huh. But when it's when it's about his fucking kids, particularly his daughters, when it's about women having rights, yeah. he said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. Said, whoa, 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 sweetie, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Baby, 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 hold on. No, 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 so, no. No, no, no. So I definitely think that's that's a huge part of this. And then um, the other the other bit of point of view is Dornish racism. <laughs> Dornish, the whole section. I was like, I just, I have so much trouble believing that this is what actually happened. Because we all know you hate the Dornish. Especially when you start it with like, I don't know, this Dornish dude was crazy and just decided to invade in this really half-baked dumb plan but you know the dornish are, are just wild that way they're just weird you know gretchen they eat spicy peppers and <laughs> <laughs> that's it i don't think you know what the spicy peppers does okay listen prince morian <laughs> ate too many spicy peppers and decided to invade westeros we did it we figured it out that's the answer Oh my god, spicy pepper syndrome. <sighs> spicy, but yeah, they all just eat too much, too much spicy food. It makes you do weird things. I, I, I totally understand. When I eat spicy food, it makes me all sweaty because I'm not Dornish. I, they I should just eat like a, a boiled turnip and... Yeah, just have a bowl of brown. <laughs> have some good, some good, good human flesh and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so let's talk about what really happened. This is a fascinating section uh-huh. for what really happened. Um, so, I mean, first there's the baby, whoopsie doodle. Oops. Um, um, yeah, I was wondering, like, when, when the maester says she's surprised and dismayed, I was like, is that understatement? 
I have mm. a. Fi- I just have this suspicion that like dismayed is a really nice term for how Allison was feeling. I think Allison. Okay, because we have to remember Allison was in a position where she watched her mother die in childbirth mm-hmm. at the same age. Um, I think that her or mom she was forty six. A little was forty six, but it's I yeah. mean mid forties. Right. So I mean, like to at that. It, at that time, quote unquote, in this universe, mm-hmm. with the level of medicine they had, finding out you're pregnant at 44, it is a pretty high chance of that being a death sentence. Yep. You know, and I wonder. I always wonder with Alison why she didn't, or if she took steps to try to control her fertility, mm-hmm. because she told Jaharis, "I don't want any more kids." But then, like, she gets pregnant again, which means she either wasn't trying to use moon tea or anything like that, or she wasn't using it very well. Right. Um, we also don't, don't know the efficacy of Munti as birth control exactly, but like also when she found out she was pregnant, she could have, she could have aborted, mm-hmm. you know, we have magical Munti that also does abortions right. in Westeros, but she didn't. Um, I think that comes back to, we were theorizing there kind of like a quiverful kind of mm-hmm. mindset. Uh, so I don't think that would have, right. I don't know that birth control is in Allison's lexicon. I don't either. Yeah. You I know? agree with you. So, and it took three years. Like, so, I mean, mm-hmm. her fertility was clearly decreasing. Um, mm-hmm. It would not surprise me if, like, after, you know, a year and nothing happens, after two years nothing happens, you think, like, oh, I just can't get pregnant anymore. Yeah. Um, especially when you're, like, in your 40s and you haven't had, you know, and you haven't gotten pregnant. It would not surprise me if, like, she just didn't think that she was fertile anymore. And then the, and, yeah. the, and Gail really was like a huge, was like a big shock. Yeah. Um, but I have a feeling that like, yes, she would have been a surprise, but I also feel like she would have been more than dismayed. I feel, I have just have a sense she might have been fucking pissed. Yeah. <laughs> pissed and frightened. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, especially looking at the fact that at the time she has all these kids that are still really young and children like Dayella, mm-hmm. who like needs care. And needs, right. like, you know, her mom to protect her and stuff like that. On top of the fact that Alison, like, probably just, like, doesn't want to die in childbirth. Right. You know? Right. Um, I mean, I would not. No, I don't forget it. Nobody, nobody wants that. So, yeah, I, I think dismayed is probably... I think the fact that the word dismayed made it into the text uh-huh. is a sign that it was more than that. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um. So... And, I mean, the kids survive, which is great. But I do think this is part of um, a rift that begins. We've been seeing some mm-hmm. some evidence of, like, a rift forming between Jaharis and Alisan. I do think this is part of it because the, the fact that she, I mean, she's not exactly being forced to give birth. Because it's not that she, like, was like, no, I actively don't want to be pregnant exactly. Because, <laughs> I mean, we don't have any evidence that, like, this is a marital rape situation or anything like that. Right. Um, but she's kind of left without options, mm-hmm. you know, she's the queen, she's supposed to have children and, you know, Jaharis is the one that was like, she, you know, she was like, I'm pretty sure I'm done. And he's like, nah, nah, you're good. Yeah. You, can- you know, like, I- it worked out so well for our mom. Yeah. Our mom had kids till she was 46. What's the problem? It's like, bro. <laughs> and then she died. <laughs> yeah. Bro. My literal, my literal brother, bro. She died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there was any, um, if she didn't want to sleep with him, if that might have hmm. become a, 
possible avenue for no longer getting pregnant if yeah um at this point because you know if i mean it depends on again whether or not she was willing to try contraceptives and if she wasn't Mm -hmm. then the only other option is just like well if i don't want to get pregnant again i guess i just don't have sex right exactly you know, I wonder if they had a conversation kind of similar to, like, in episode one, House of the Dragon, when, Viser- mm-hmm. when Viserys and Emma are talking, Emma's in the bath, and she's like, this is my last baby, and Viserys is like, sure, sweetie. Uh-huh. You know? And, like, not taking her very seriously. Like, I'm wondering if it's it was kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, but I could definitely see Alisanne going, like, yeah, no. No, mm-hmm. though. Like. Yeah, no. Not putting up with him being like, yeah, sure, okay, sweetie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe also, maybe the reason in that two or three years since the last baby, maybe she was more or less abstaining from sex with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also wonder how much they knew, the Westeros you know about, like, ovulation, <coughs> you know? Like, if they know about, like, that there's only, like, certain times of the month when you're, like, likely to get pregnant. Like, if right. she could like plan it out or like i don't know i don't know how much they know about any of that Mm -hmm. because they don't have like microscopes so maybe they wouldn't i mean there are physical changes that you can track that they might have been aware of but we have no idea because martin hasn't told us how much this world is aware of like (laughs) what happens in a woman's body said no mystery ever (laughs) (laughs) i mean said no doctor ever in our i mean oh so this is interesting this is interesting as a side note i i recently went to a convention magfest and one of the women I was rooming with um, is my friend from my stream, from my, my uh, game stream, How Many Degrees, on Twitch. We stream every Sunday night. It's a good time. Um, her name is Jessie, and she's an obstetrician. Oh. And she's so, oh my god, she's so, so smart. So we were talking about, she, we were both really drunk, and we started talking about, like, baby delivery and the fucking, all the gynecology, we had a whole gynecological conversation. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. And she was explaining to me, she's like, it's insane how little was known about women's bodies until like really recently she's like in living memory they thought the womb wandered like there are people alive now who were born at the time that doctors genuinely thought the womb wandered around the body (laughs) and she's like there's all these things we don't know about the uterus and how it works because it just what does the uterus do? Said no doctor ever it's, until very recently. I mean, it just holds babies, right? That's all it's there for. Hold- and it wanders around. And if it doesn't get to hold a baby, it, it like, gets angry and, like, wanders around your body and freaks out. It gets hysterical. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in Westeros, they, they've got to have even God, no fucking idea what happens. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sure. Yeah, they might not even know that the uterus is an organ. And I wonder how much of that too is 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 intentional in the text, but also partially just like Martin not caring, right? To you know, because mm-hmm. I I just I wonder, and not that not that he doesn't care about women, he he seems he writes women very well. I think you know he thinks about it a lot. Um, I just wonder how the story would be written differently if it was a female writer or a, a woman writer, mm-hmm. um, who would was thinking about these sorts of things, right? Uh, so. Anyway, mm-hmm. thanks for coming to my gynecological TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Dayella and how fucking tragic uh, this story is. Dayella, this is one where I really, I really don't think what we get on page is like anywhere near what was really happening. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. 
And if I were to adapt this to the screen, I, I mean, the way she's described, she's described as, like, being, like, perpetually childlike. Mm-hmm. She's very small. She's, like, the same height. Alessandra's also, like, 5'2". Dale is, like, 5'2". We will talk about this. You know, talk about how tall people are in Westeros. Yeah, and why it makes no sense. <laughs> I want to, wait, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Wait, tell me, you tell me, me about okay, your thoughts on this side. We're going out of yeah. order, but I will, okay, so we will start, we will start this section with my, with my rant about what are, yes. how tall are people in fucking Westeros, okay? So, mm-hmm. I have to talk about this. It's like, okay. I was reading this section and going, wait a second, wait a second. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Okay, so. Mm-hmm. What is the average height for men and women in Westeros? We don't know this, but I, but we don't know. We're we, never told. We don't know. Yeah. We're never told. We're told that mm-hmm. Daella is small because on her toes it says like on her toes she reaches five foot two, which means she's okay. And standing on your toes adds an average of like two to three inches to your height, so she's like four eleven, yeah, five feet tall, somewhere around mm-hmm. five feet tall. Okay, um. Uh, the average height, let me tell you, let me tell you. So the average height for men in the Middle Ages is 5'7". Guess what the average height is for women in the Middle Ages? 5'2". The average mm. height for women in the time period that Martin is basing this story off of is 5'2". That is average height. But they describe Alessandra as being small and she's 5'2". Right, which means Martin okay. is clearly not using historical data for average heights. I think he is using modern, mm. but even if he's using modern height data for it, 5'2 as being like really small is actually like, 5'2 is only like the average height. Okay, anyway, I'll, talk about, I'll, I'll do this first. So the average height currently in the U.S., I did some research on this, is about 5'5". Five, five. <laughs> um mm-hmm. five foot five for all for all genders or for women average height in the okay. united states um is five foot five for women mm-hmm. um so five foot two is like one standard deviation away from that which means mm-hmm. that like something i don't i'm not gonna go into explaining statistics for everyone but i did take a statistics class um mm-hmm. but um so if you have like your average which is like the like the middle point kind of like if you're looking at a bell curve, like your average is in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. One standard deviation to either side of that is going to encompass like 70% of the population. It means that 70% of the population falls within that range. Okay. Um, five foot two is like the standard deviation for women for now currently in the U.S. 70% of, of women, I'm assuming they probably mean Caucasian, that this data is probably based on Caucasian women are between mm-hmm. five foot two and five foot seven. Seventy percent mm-hmm. of women are between five mm-hmm. foot two and five foot seven. Which means that if you encountered someone who was five foot two, you would not be like, wow, super weird, how tiny. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. five foot two is actually mm-hmm. not unusually small, even for modern data. I'm five mm-hmm. foot three. Like I'm only mm-hmm. an, I'm fi- I'm also five foot three. Right, you know, like and we're <laughs> yeah. not unusually small. No one would look at you and I and be like, "Wow, what a tiny person." Yeah. Um, the way that Martin talks about Alisanne. So mm-hmm. if you shift that bell curve, and five foot two is now your average height. Seventy percent of women in Westeros. So in the Middle Ages, seventy percent of women would have been between the heights of four eleven and five foot five. 70% right. of women. So even 411, mm-hmm. even if he was using the average heights in the Middle Ages, if Diella was 411, she would be av- like right within 
70% of the population. Like, she would have to basically be, like, under four foot nine to stand out as being really small in such a way that people would be like, wow, what a very tiny woman. Mm-hmm. Like, she would have mm-hmm. to have been, like, under four foot nine. And there's no way that she could be that and still on her tippy toes be five foot two. So, like, <laughs> right. just the heart is full of shit and doesn't know, like, either... That's really that's that's a really long strong way to say. It. I think that he is a using modern height conventions. Yes, but, almost certainly yes. But also kind of inaccurate height con- like modern height conventions because like mm-hmm. he's by saying Alisanne was like exceptionally small by being five foot two is like I also don't think Martin. I also don't think you know what the average height of women is. How tall is George R. R. Martin? This is my question. <laughs> How tall is George R. Tony is, I was, I was telling find. my girlfriend about this last night. I was just like, Jessica, I just need to tell you. George R. Martin is 5'6". He's not the tallest man. No. Like, I'm so confused. This is a great detail. I love that you noticed this because I did not. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. So I think what's probably actually happening is that he's using modern height conventions and just in his brain, 5'2 sounds small. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and maybe as a man who is 5'6", he wants 5'2 to be short, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe that's like a situation where he's like, oh, well, that's that's fine because she's smaller than me kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, it could also be explainable in the universe uh, in a couple different ways, if we wanted to give him the grace uh-huh. of giving a uh, Watsonian explanation. Mm-hmm. It could be that Targaryens prior to Alysanne were tall. Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you know? the ruling, yeah, maybe the Targaryens are supposed to be tall. Yeah, maybe they have been. We have no idea how tall they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that because the more ancient Targaryens, like the Conquerors, for example, because they're kind of shrouded in the veil of history, mm-hmm. that they and they have that kind of imposing, like, the Conquerors thing. Yeah. They're imagined as being larger. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Um, I kind of had this, not again to bring up Taylor Swift, but I kind of had this experience seeing Taylor Swift live at concert because when I see her in, in pictures and stuff, she looks so tall. And then when I saw her in person on stage, I mean, she's taller than I am, but she was like the normal size of a human. And it was very weird to see that she like wasn't physically large, Uh you know, because you imagine a person who like is famous like that or like a king or a queen or whatever as being like larger, but they're not. Uh So it could just be that by the time Joe Harris and Allison came around, this is the first court where we have like really consistent like bookkeeping and notes and people seeing them for a long time, whatever. Where, like, it's the first time that it's being noted that they're, like, human-sized, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it could also be that it was it considered a compliment that Alison was so little. Mm-hmm. That, you know, she's dainty, she's delicate, she's beautiful, she's, you know, all right. these things that are good for a woman to be. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Jaharis is described as being tall, mm-hmm. you know? Right, women are so, supposed to be tiny and fragile, and and men are supposed to be big and tall and... Yeah, 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 yeah. And a, like an imagined ideal gender dimorphism, where like men are big and tall and muscular, and women are tiny and fragile and mm-hmm. need protecting. 
Well, we know he's big and tall and muscular because he had that. He came back uh, to King's Landing that one time, and he was all muscle and had that beard and everything, mm-hmm. right? So he's muscled like a maiden's the sexiest. fantasy. Yeah, he's <laughs> the sexiest man alive. Have you seen? Have you seen the king? Mm. Um, yeah, because my okay. So the other like the other couple thoughts I had about this was like clearly, I like I like your thoughts, and I think that there there is a way that you could that you those could be incorporated. Like the thing is. Like, one of the other things that sticks with me, though, is that Alisanne says that Diella is too small to be carrying mm-hmm. a pregnancy the way that she is. She's like, she's so tiny to be carrying so heavy. And I want to be like, ma'am, ma'am, you are only a couple inches taller than that daughter of yours. And you have now mm-hmm. had, like, 13 children. Yeah. Like, this is not actually. And, I, and, and that, I think, is not actually about Diella's physical size. I think that Alisanne mm-hmm. is concerned about Diella's childlikeness and more than just body size that she's just like this Mm -hmm. is my baby girl who's not really an adult and she's not ready for this and like that that is kind of being projected onto like her body yeah Um, she could also just be a very skinny teenager i mean when i was 17 i i you if i were pregnant at 17 i would have looked it would have looked insane mm-hmm. i would have looked like like allison and in, in house of the dragon in the first four, five episodes right when allison you know <laughs> like when allison allison sorry allison yeah when allison's <laughs> fucking just same like name basketball which she's the size of a house walking around uh-huh. yeah and she looks like a teen bride because she is i mean mm-hmm. it's pregnancy at that age right. is not supposed to i mean in my opinion is not supposed to look appealing because it's dangerous right Right. It's dangerous to be that young and that pregnant because of things like this, like what happens with Ayala, you know? Yeah, I'm like part of my thought about that was like going back to the average height. Well, like the average height mm-hmm. of women of women in the Middle Ages is five foot two, which means that a woman being four eleven would have been fairly normal. Um Yeah. Which also means that that in the Middle Ages it would have been very normal for a four foot eleven woman to give birth to a child and like be healthy and normal. Probably not when she was fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years old, because Mm-hmm. Teenage pregnancy is one thing. Pregnancy based on body size is totally different. Yes. Like, those are not yes. the same thing. And a little bit of that is getting overlapped here of, like, mm-hmm. oh, she's too physically small to have a baby. And it's like, well, no, she's probably too young to be having a baby, mm-hmm. but not physically small because it's not just in the Middle Ages that you have women who are regularly under four feet tall. Like, there are mm-hmm. societies around the world and throughout history, like, humans come in a wide variety of sizes. And historically, mm-hmm. there have been a lot of humans who were under four feet tall who regularly gave birth and it was fine. Like, yeah. So it's not about how big, Di- like, how tall Diella is. In mm-hmm. my opinion, I'm looking at this and going, this has nothing to do with how tall she is. This is, right. you know, <laughs> like, maybe she's too young. Maybe her physical health is too delicate. Maybe just, like, mm-hmm. her her specific body regardless of height is not carrying the baby very well like Mm -hmm. we don't know yeah you're right we don't know how how tiny she was we don't know how hard this is like how physically strong she was you know Mm -hmm. she might have also been kind of physically like we don't know anything about that but it's all being like attributed to height in a way that i was reading going that's not how this works right (laughs) well there's also a description of her looking like a child yes uh which i find interesting and disturbing um, because if she's looking like a child, then how developed is she? Mm-hmm. You know, th- does she, you know, have the, like, a, the body of an adult woman? Or is this 36-year-old man um, having sex with a girl who looks much younger? 
Yikes. Yikes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yikes. We could talk about that. There's actually a line in the text I want to talk about when it comes to that. Right. But yeah, that's interesting. I, I think the, the real answer is just that George didn't think that hard about it. Yep. I, I do question, though, how they have the exact heights. Yeah. Of the, how the Maester knows the heights of Allison. Oh, what the fuck? What's the height of Jaharis? Tell me the fucking height of Jaharis. What did they get? They must have gotten measured at some point. Uh-huh. You know? Probably by a Maester or something as part of, like, their yearly physical. And I want to know how tall Jaharis is. <laughs> I want to know if those numbers are inflated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the <laughs> idea that, like, he's really vague about man about male height so that you can like imagine him as being really tall when yep. like he was probably pretty average height which like probably would I mean, have been sim- five siblings, seven five so. eight you know like that's probably that's probably the average height for dudes in westeros yeah if that tall you know if alisan is short and he's her full blood brother mm-hmm. then you know maybe uh maybe we had a short king literally yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but like yeah i i okay i like that idea that like you only get men's heights when they're like when the maester can prove that they're really tall have we ever have we gotten anybody's height we've got that they are tall we've gotten the description of being tall but we haven't gotten like he was 6'2 and towering and all muscle or like we haven't gotten anybody's like ma- any male's height maybe but only like if if i i feel like we might have gotten some 6 foot something dudes but i cannot remember i don't recall i have listen listeners if you remember email yeah, us yeah if let you us remember know, email us yeah. but i'm also thinking about the only some of the only heights we know of in the in the main books are like the mountain and gregor clegane who are like insanely tall exceptionally tall right so, so yeah. like, it, like, wouldn't surprise me if, like, the, if the maesters or whoever is recording this is, like, we will only put down male heights when we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are very, very tall. Otherwise, right? Eh, don't think about it. I mean, do we even know how tall someone like Dunk the Tall was? No, like, there are theory. Like, people have, like, estimated, estimated it that he was probably seven foot something. I mean, he was clearly yeah. Dunk is clearly exceptionally tall because everyone right. who meets him is like, wow, what a tall boy. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> the tallest of boys. <coughs> um, which means that he would be well beyond, you know, your average. Right. Um, exactly. But um, um, So in terms of Dayella, I did want to talk about her husband because I agree that he sounds like a nice man. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a line, it just, it just disturbs me. Let me try to find it. Um, so, so again, Lord Aaron was 36. Yep. Dayella was 16 mm-hmm. when they were married. She chose him, but he also agreed yep. to marry a 16 year old, a 16 year old who specifically is described as looking childlike. Mm. And, um, he, there's a, a quote on the top of page 309 we're sort of describing him. Um, it says, short and balding with a kettle belly, Aaron was not the man most maidens dreamed of, Queen Alison admitted. And then it's a quote from Queen Alison. But he is the sort you asked for, a kind and gentle man, and he says that he has loved our little girl for years. I know he will protect her. Um, yeah. I had a question uh, about, like, did, what kind of love does he mean there? Yeah. Um... I don't, you know what, whatever love it was, I don't love it. Yeah. You know, 
whatever if it, it was if it was a love like i care for you in a familial kind of way and then i watched you grow up and now you're a woman and now i have sexual feelings for you i don't love it uh-huh. that was the premise of one of jane austen's books that i didn't like was that i think that was emma yeah uh, uh-huh yeah i didn't don't love it don't love uh-huh. it um the concept of like an older man watching a young girl like quote unquote become a woman and then like suddenly realizing she's a sexual object is gross yeah there's like a um, scene in emma where um where the i told it mr knightley is, tell- mr. is knightley. telling her like i held you the day you were born and i'm like that's real weird buddy no no <laughs> don't don't sleep with someone you held when they were born Unless, like, you were six at the time. Right. And you, you held them child, when they were born. You know, like, if you two were a child, that that's fine. But, like, mm-hmm. come on. Come on. Right. Can we not? So, I I do... That makes me suspicious. Not not that Roger Garen would be outside what other people were doing in the patriarchy. Like, that... that like, his, if he had attraction to her as a very young, young maiden or whatever... Mm-hmm. That's like perfectly fits within to the toxic patriarchy of Westeros, which is one of the reasons it's bad. Um, that makes me wonder about the letters she was sending. Oh, because he's obviously having sex with her, right? Because she gets pregnant within a year and a half. Yep. Um, and that means that a thirty-six-year-old man is having sex with a sixteen, seventeen-year-old girl mm-hmm. who is describes being particularly childlike and seems to have some kind of mental disability. I yeah. I don't know exactly what words to use to describe because I'm not sure what it is, so I'm just going to go with mental disability, but yep. s- something going yep. on. Um and I that doesn't I don't love that. I don't love that. Yeah, cuz cuz even if there's nothing like quote unquote actually wrong with her you know like even if she mm-hmm. doesn't have any kind of disability she is still a 16 year old girl who behaves like is behaving as a child wherever that mm-hmm. comes from whether it comes from an actual disability whether it's anxiety whether it's you know she was not given enough tools to know how to transition into adulthood whatever like wherever it comes from mm-hmm. regardless of the source when you read, like, reading the stories about her, you're like, oh, gosh, if I were to meet her, I would think she was, like, 12. Right. But based on her behavior, like, she's super anxious. Um, she seems really, um, like, her, the way that she responds to things seems fairly immature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, emotionally and kind of cognitively, so maybe there is something happening, but, like, Mm-hmm. Her response to, like, you know, she has this, like, she's, one of her potential suitors is um, uh, Royce Blackwood, so one of the mm-hmm. Blackwoods, and then she says, like, um, and, like, things seem to be going really well, and then it's, like, she finds out that they keep the old gods, and she was, like, they don't believe in the gods, I'd go to hell, mm-hmm. and, like, that, that, feels really like a really young response because i think she's yes even at her age she was like 14 at that time like somewhere in the like Mm -hmm. 13 14 even for a 13 14 year old that feels like a fairly immature response to that situation it's a very it's a very basic understanding of that yep you know because we have we have plenty of examples in the text of people who keep the seven who marry someone who keeps the old gods catlin and ned Mm -hmm. for example yes you know catlin's never afraid she's gonna go to hell she just keeps her seven and he keep you know they, they just have two different religions. It's fine. Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I, I agree. She has she, this, like, she simplistic, mm-hmm. childlike experience of the world cognitively. Right. So then, how does she have sex with him? Yeah, I don't know. Can can she consent? Right. To having and sex what, with him? Uh, you know, that's part of what makes this feel gross. Which means that like he is comfortable having sex with like someone who may not be physically a child, but who is like mentally a child. Right. And, and I can't imagine. I mean, she got scratched by a cat and was afraid of cats forever. I cannot imagine that she's not terrified of having sex. Mm-hmm. Because she certainly wasn't taught about it. Nope. Um, she's had no sexual experiences before him. And she didn't want to I mean, have a just... bedding because she was terrified. Right. And yeah. He, and she was like, oh, I would die of shame. Right. So I'm just like, I, I can't. I, I can't see this relationship, even though, again, it's one of those situations where it's like, the man is not, like, outwardly a rapist, mm-hmm. but he is kind of a rapist, you know? Right. It's kind of the same way, like, Ned, with, like, with Ned and Kat, or, like, um, Edmure Tully yep. and Rosalind. It's like, mm-hmm. Edmure is not, like, trying to be a rapist, but given the structure of the patriarchy and the position they're put in, right. he's kind of a rapist. Right. And that's that's the same situation here, and I think here it's made even more tragic and, and really horrible by the fact that like Dayella is so young and has like this for whatever reason has this like very childlike quality mm-hmm. uh and it it's it's bad bad news bears right the whole it would thing be like when Tyrion and Sansa got married if he had actually had sex with her right I mean Sansa exactly. is a literal child um yeah. at that point quite literally mm-hmm. a child she's 13 um yeah. but I think that Martin is playing in that same space by having someone who Mm -hmm. might not be physically a child but is mentally a child is being like he's playing in that Mm -hmm. space of like is this okay is you Mm -hmm. know like Mm -hmm. and i do think that that you and i are having the correct response which is like ew yeah like and this was the kind of story that even the very first time i read fire and blood mm -hmm. i remember i've the yellow story stuck in my head and i remember being like that was not okay. Mm-hmm. And what Jaharis did there was not okay oh with forcing this. Okay, so yeah, yeah. we haven't talked about that. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> Why is Jaharis so hot about this? <laughs> he just, he's so, like, obsessed with getting her married. Like, in, like, like aggressive know. about it. I, I don't know. And I, and I think that you could script some of these scenes between him and Alisande so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if you got good actors for them. Um, for just how this is is causing a rift between them. Yep. Because after Dayella dies, Alisande's like, there would have been no harm whatsoever mm-hmm. for her to just have stayed here for another year or two or ten. Like, she could have just, she could have just been a princess here at court. Right. There was no reason to make her do it. She doesn't have to do anything. Right. Like with Vagon. Like there like, was no, yeah. like, there's an interesting similarity between the way Vagon and Dayella mm. are handled in that, like, Vagon goes off to the Citadel at 13. Mm-hmm. Which means by the time he was 13, like, Jaehaerys was like, well, that kid's never going to fucking get married. Better send him off to sit with the other celibates who read a bunch of books. And I'm like, that child is 13 years old. He's 13. He's let him play Minecraft. He's got plenty of growing up to do. Yeah. And Jaehaerys is doing the same thing here where, like, it says, like, even more than Alisande, Jaehaerys despaired of her. She will not even speak to a boy. How will she marry? She's 13. She's 13 years old. And she doesn't. 
and she doesn't need to. It's like he's got, he has these rules in his brain. His page. This is like an example of his patriarchy yes. brain. He has these rules in his brain of like this is what you do, mm-hmm. and what you do is that you get monogamous monogamously married to someone and you have children. Mm-hmm. That is what you do. Right. And that is it. Right. And the children that fall outside of that dichotomy for him, he's like, what the fuck? What are you doing? He's like, you're failures. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to do with you. I don't know what to do with any of you. Um, and it's really unfortunate because those rules are fucking arbitrary. And Dayala suffered with her literal life. Yep. Literally died. Because of them. The, pa- the patriarchy literally killed mm-hmm. her. But there's a great, there's a line on the top of 308 where Jaharis is like, complaining um and he's like get like find her somebody to marry i don't care like whatever and he's like you know get someone who will speak to her sweetly and tell her she's precious and protect her against dragons and horses and bees and kittens and boys with boils and whatever else she fears and then alice just says i shall do my best your grace I and, that. oh man i like to imagine stank on that the sass that must have come with that line oh I can, you can feel it on the page, the sass that must have come with her saying that. Right. Like, I, I I think you could script something like that so well. And, like, just, like, you know, lift that dialogue directly onto screen, basically. Yep. And in their interactions with each other. And I think that would be such an example of Alison expressing disdain mm-hmm. for Jaharis. You know? Because I get the sense... It's really understated, and the maester, of course, isn't going to call it out because he he wants. I think the maester wants us to believe that they had a very happy marriage until a couple of really exaggerated things happened. Mm-hmm. Like everything is fine until the big the big bad thing happened, and it's like no. Right. If you read the text, you can tell that this is not like the like that. There's tensions. You know, like, yeah. as, um... There's tensions in every marriage. Right. You know, it's silly to say any marriage is perfect, because, I mean, that's just not the case. Especially if you're ruling a country together, Right, you know? right. That, uh, that as Kylie and Julia and you like to say on, on UBS, there's cracks in the plaster. That, like, mm-hmm. by the time the foundation breaks, you could have seen it coming. Because you have things right. like... And, I, like, I just have the sense that she was against this from the very beginning, and only mm-hmm. spoke up so much about it, and was... Like, my tinfoil and i don't think it's all that tinfoil but like the sense that i get is that jaharis wanted dayla married asap that like if yeah. he had had his way she would have been married at 13 years old and that the only yep. reason she got married at 16 was because alisan was pushing it off yeah exactly i exact was exactly what i thought but, the delay was caused by alisan yeah because when jaharis like that that quote i read earlier about like jaharis despaired of her she will not even speak to a boy how will she marry she's 13 years old at this point and Alessandra's mm-hmm. response is to say, Diella is sweet and kind and gentle. She has such a tender heart. Give me time and I will find a Lord to cherish her. She's buying time. Like, mm-hmm. she shouldn't have to buy time with a 13-year-old, but she is. She's buying mm-hmm. time. Then there's these, like, you know, she's sent to Driftmark to meet Corliss. And he's, and I love that <laughs> she says he likes his boats better than he likes me. And I'm like, he probably did. <laughs> Well, the parentheses even the maester even says that's he's true. Not, he likes his board boats better. <laughs> Corliss loved his boats yeah. until he met Rainey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then yeah, she was fifteen when she went to Raven Tree, and then almost married Lord Blackwood until she found out that he kept the old gods, and that freaked her out. 
Um, well, I kind of wonder too, like as you're listening to people, if Alison was setting her up with people that she knew would never work. Corliss Valerian, it was like already at that point known as like a great voyaging sea captain. He was like brave and gruff and mm-hmm. like really outgoing and adventurous. And she's like, ah, this kid's never gonna fuck her. This is this is like what what um um uh Doran Martell does with trying to set up Arian yeah. with different people. He's like, oh, she's gonna reject this guy. Let me do this yeah. one. I kind of I wonder if Alisan's doing the same kind I of like thing. I like that idea that she's like picking people that like Diella would never go for to like buy yeah. time to just be like, oh she just doesn't she doesn't want him. We we're, yeah. we're not gonna force Sorry. her. Um we tried yeah, and it, and then at sixteen <laughs> that's when Jaharis is like she you know she will be married by the time she's a woman and like let me tell you when the text said her 16th name day was fast approaching and with it her womanhood. I gagged. Huh? Yep. Yep. I think we should also state here that the concept of like uh, uh, maidenhood and virginity and what is womanhood. Oh, it's like all fucking made up. Fake. All fucking made up. All fake. Mm-hmm. All fake. Yep. And the fact that it's all tied to like when you get your period. Fucking fake. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fake. Fake ass shit. The fake as shit. Yep. Uh, yep. Just because you just because you have your period doesn't mean that you should be having children. Weirdly, weirdly weirdly enough (laughs) that's not what that means that really is not um so yeah he's really obsessed with marrying off his child and i'm pretty and it 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 seems really clear to me that alisanne was like resisting as best she could in this like quiet kind of resistance that like yeah um she's not like setting down a cup of dirty drinking water in front of him and telling him like do you want to drink it the people don't want to either that like She's doing right. like a subtler hmm. kind of thing with Jaharis. I wonder, like, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. I wonder, like, if she could have resisted in a more forceful way. Mm-hmm. Because I think we're dealing with Jaharis' patriarchy brain, but we're also dealing with Alisanne's. Yep. And with Alisanne, we're also dealing with internalized misogyny as part of that package, mm-hmm. right? And she also clearly thinks women should get married and have yep. children. She loves arranging marriages. She thinks it's great. Yeah, she thinks she thinks it's great. Well, it worked out really well for her. Mm-hmm. You know, the women in the story for whom it worked out, like everyone, that's like Catelyn, Catelyn Stark too. It's like, yeah. oh, just get married; it'll be great. Uh-huh. Um, and it's 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 my my mother on page. It's exactly <laughs> what my mother thinks about life. Uh-huh. Um, because she she got married and it worked out really well for her. So it's like if something works out well for you, you're like go, like it's like when people ask me about going to law school, I'm like, do it; it's great because I like it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean everyone should do right? it. You know. Um, so Alison, I think she's. We know Alison's a, a real smart cookie, um, to put it lightly. Yeah. She she could see that the, at least at this point, that the inheritance in the realm was secure because there's two grown sons, both of whom have heirs yep. already mm-hmm. at this point. You got three babies the, at this point. You got an heir and two spares. The, the other kids are kind of superfluous. They don't really need to do anything, right? Because we got it. We got it already. We got them. Mm-hmm. So, it's. I could see her looking at this and being like, "There really is no harm for Dayella to just stay in court." Yeah. What? If, what if just she, be? What if she never got married? Yeah. What if she just hung out in court and stayed with me? You know, right. like that's that'd be totally fine. And and that's and that's totally fine to do. Like you can be a person who never gets married and have children has children. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, yes. a, that's a perfectly viable life choice what? to make. Caroline. <laughs> I have never heard of this. But I imagine for Allison it could have been very difficult because that concept runs extremely counter to what she's been taught mm-hmm. and what she's lived, how she's lived. 
But now she's forward, in her mid-40s. Her daughter's fifth, you know, in her mid-teens. Yep. And maybe with, like, the hindsight of age and experience looking back and saying, like, wow, that is really young. You know, mm-hmm. that is really young to get married. Because Alisan was that old when she got married. Right. Yep. Yeah. So was uh, Alyssa. So was Alyssa. Um, Jocelyn and Eamon were about that age. A lot of teen They were a little older. Yeah, they were later They teens. were later in their teens. Yeah, they were later teens. So, but I could see her being, I mean, 44 and looking at her 15-year-old daughter and being like, holy shit, that's a child. Mm-hmm. Like, Right, especially when, when Dayla has levels of emotional and cognitive immaturity to being like, right. she's not just physically a child, but like she's childlike. She's very right. child. Exactly. And that's part of her reaction. Like after, after Dayla dies, she says, oh my gosh, I love this whole section where she says like, um, uh, if she, had, if he, if. Jaharis had not insisted that Dayla wed, that she picks someone before the year the year's end. What harm would it have done for her to stay a little girl for another year or two or ten? She was not old mm-hmm. enough or strong enough to bear a child. She told his grace back at King's Landing, we ought never have pushed her into marriage. And like, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that like part of what's coming out there is that she probably felt this way all along. And so she is both blaming Jaharis and I think at some level going I should have listened to my instincts I should like I was worried about this mm-hmm. and I should have pushed harder yeah like, I, 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 I'm sure I'm sure she's blaming herself for part of it too mm-hmm. absolutely oh absolutely I mean she's not wrong right you know the it it is Jahar I would blame pri- primarily Jaharis yep. secondarily Allison mm-hmm. and third the patriarchy that'd be the order in which I would blame things right because because like, yeah because she's not as much as she is resisting like quietly mm-hmm. by like putting it off she's not saying no um and she could have she could have um we, we've seen allison many times convince the king to do things that he didn't initially want to yeah do. she knows how to get jaharis to do things and also not for nothing if she didn't arrange the marriage was jaharis gonna no <laughs> <laughs> jaharis had fucking the- i'm sure he was building a road somewhere or something he had other shit to do he wasn't gonna arrange a marriage and i do so. think that this still fits with like the theory that we've built that like at least a part of jaharis's psychology is we must not upset the faith like we must yeah you know because mm-hmm. i think he i mean he they both would have some memory of what it was like for like the magor's wars with the faith Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that in, in other episodes that, like, this is playing into it. And I think we're seeing more of that. That, like, what's happening with Ayala is, like, that part of this, like, well, they must get married is patriarchy. And some of it is, and, and a part of that patriarchy is built in, like, the religious values of the faith, which are right. men and women get married. Right. And there's no other. Exactly. And the only other options for not getting married are, like, very specific pathways for celibacy that only exists within certain structures. It's like, if you're a woman and you don't get married, you can join the faith or you can join the silent sisters. That's it. And those are both faith-related yes. uh, um, occupations. Mm-hmm. For men, there's obviously the maesters, which are kind of, also in Old Town, yep. but yep. Uh, out, sort of outside the faith. But for women, it's the faith or or a husband. Yep, yep. yep. That's what you yep. got. You, you marry a man or you, you marry the gods. I don't. I don't yeah. know if they have that framework, but like, <laughs> I know. Th- I know that I like mean, yeah. that was a part of the the a, a part of like Christian monastic traditions for nuns was like, well, you're married to Jesus instead of right. Exactly. Man. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if that was part of this because Martin's drawing on that. So yeah, yeah. You either marry mm-hmm. a man or you're like quote unquote married to the gods. 
and Mm -hmm. but the idea of just like living a single life like as a single person Mm -hmm. a person who was unmarried like there was no avenue for that but this is one of those where you and i can step in and critique and go they're fucking targaryens they should be able to do whatever the fuck they want exactly well that's the thing it's like she's dayala is in the position Uh to to just live with mom and dad for the rest of her life you know like she is in like the prime position to have someone who will always care for her and then eventually when mom and dad die her brother will take over as king and he'll take care mm-hmm. of her like they're the wealthy ruling family she it's perfect it's exact. it's it's like you couldn't get more perfect to have a situation where you have a child who needs that kind of care yes. you know mm-hmm. and there was nothing stopping them from no. that and i i wonder too like because I again, there's this this question about like why is Jahara so hot and her getting married? I like I'm somewhat satisfied with the explanation of like this is just like how his brain is structured and he can't imagine anything else. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He's like so so on it. I'm like, did he see what was going on with Dayella? Mm-hmm. And was he maybe was he like especially worried about her getting married because he was seeing that there was some kind of immaturity or cognitive delay? Like was he worried that she would get too old and then people wouldn't want to marry her because she was old and they would maybe notice that something was up you know like like was there something particular about Dayella that made him so gung-ho about this right. you know because we'll see later with um with his daughter sarah uh-huh. that she's he's not marrying her when she's 13 right, right. yes so I don't know if there's like something particular about Dayella. This is why I think I think this is such an area that's like so ripe for interpretation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is she? Does he see that there's something going on with her, and he doesn't want people to realize it because she's a Targaryen princess, and he doesn't want there to be anything about like, you know, the the yeah. one kid who's you know in in terms of Westeros, you know they would. You, they use, you know, very ableist language in Westeros. The only real description we get of characters like this is simple. Uh-huh. So, like, would somebody realize that one of the Targaryen princesses was quote-unquote simple? How would that reflect on huh. the family, on the incest, on whatever? Like, is he particularly concerned because of how she is? Uh-huh. And is that an ableism layer to this? Ooh. You know? Yeah, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I like that, that, like... Any anything that could be perceived of as quote unquote weakness within the mm-hmm. ruling dynasty wants to stamp out, and I like that because it also explains why he's so fixated on Vagon. Mm-hmm. Like getting Vagon yeah. married off or getting Vagon super horny as a somewhere teenager. somewhere else, yeah, because he's different too. Yeah, because yeah. he also is is does not conform in that he's not martial. Mm-hmm. Like he is not living up to like what me- quote unquote men should be. Especially, mm-hmm. like, ruling family men because he's this, like, nerd. Mm-hmm. He's, like, a yeah. bookish nerd who doesn't like swinging mm-hmm. a sword and literally just wants to, like, read books all the time. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. That, like, both Vagon and Dayella are not just different, but they have aspects about them that could be perceived as weakness mm-hmm. under patriarchy. Even though, under ironically, yeah. like, what's ironic to me about Dayella is that Dayella feels like she should be literally everything that what that like westerosi patriarchy like idealizes in a woman right like she's delicate she's tiny she's tiny she's She's beautiful she's beautiful she's frail she needs protecting 
she's, she's not fertile. that smart. Mm-hmm. Like, patriarchy doesn't want smart women. That's true. That's like, true. Like, on paper, describing Dayella mm-hmm. is like, isn't this what you want all of your women to be? Mm-hmm. But well, there's no right way to be a target. There's no princess. right, right? So, and I think that yeah. I think that if she were the daughter of a lord, just like a normal lord, probably wouldn't have been mm-hmm. as big a deal. I agree. Like I'm thinking, I'm because thinking plenty, of like, plenty of lords keep their their daughters, their daughters. Plenty of lords have daughters that just don't get married. Right. They just keep them home and they help run the household. Right. Yeah. Right. Or have daughters who are simple minded. I'm thinking of Lala Stokeworth, for example. Lala Stokeworth. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that, who they care for they don't they don't abandon them or anything like right. that they care for them and they make sure they're safe yeah absolutely right. but like having a you know quote-unquote simple-minded you know like when you're you're targaryens even targaryen princesses are supposed to be kind of spicy they're supposed you know like mm-hmm. but not too spicy not too spicy not too spicy no enough spice enough spice to marry their brothers yes. <laughs> <laughs> no spice beyond that way they we want them to be spicy enough to marry their brothers and to ride dragons that's all we right. got we got if you, if you do that that's enough right. spice right but you don't want them to break any other norms and conventions no definitely not. Um, no yeah i i like that i think i think part of jaharis's view of his children and this is not his fault this is part of the patriarchy and his position is he's seeing them as an extension of the, the ruling family an extension of the power the power structure right. you know uh and they are they are an extension of the power structure, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, but this is one of those things where it's like, particularly for Dayella, this is a Targaryen exceptionalism problem. Mm-hmm. Because if she's not exceptional, then they can that whole concept can be questioned. Right. You know? And so I, I, I kind of like it. As, I was just spitballing what I was saying before, but I kind of like it as an ableist sort of reading mm-hmm. that this is Jaehaerys trying to cover up. Yep. You know, and not for nothing, he and Allison are full blood siblings. They should have some kids who have some genetic problems yep. because of mm-hmm. that. That incest is not good genetically for offspring, especially because this is not the first generation of incest. When you've got like it mm-hmm. goes back, it goes. We don't know how far back it goes, but it mm-hmm. goes back at least three or four generations. Mm-hmm. That like, yeah, because this seems to be a practice, like. Right. This is how you get hemophilia, folks. Like, when you have, like, recessive mm-hmm. genes and people with recessive genes are, like, interbreeding with each other, those recessive genes suddenly pop up. Yeah, like- this is how I breed my sims. This is exactly how I get <laughs> sims with blonde hair. Yes, those recessive genes. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to have some children, especially when you're having this many that's the thing is they have so many there's got to be some of them uh-huh. and i mean maybe some of those babies that died right. were you know incest genetic problem babies we don't know uh-huh. um but Dayella seems like she could be one of those one of those kids right where there's like something going on maybe because of the incest uh-huh. and part of the reason i say that is she has emma and emma does not seem to have emma seems to be uh uh-huh neurotypical or however you would say it she she doesn't seem to have any issues um and it's because dayella has doesn't marry one of her brothers Mm -hmm. she has a baby with someone else so the child is not that child is not the product of incest right right um Mm. it is worth saying one of the things that i was thinking about reading this is having watched house of the dragon is going knowing that knowing that dayella died this way makes it so much more tragic that emma dies in such a similar way in house of the dragon yeah that just like you have 
two generations of women who are killed by Dis- pregnancy. Yeah, disempowered by the patriarchy, mm-hmm. you know, and by the men around them. Right. That, like, Emma does not and- escape the same fate as her mother. Right. And men around them who, like, aren't evil people, oh. mm-hmm. you know? Like, like Roderick Aaron wasn't, like, trying to kill uh, Dayla. Mm-hmm. And Viserys wasn't trying to kill it. Viserys loved Emma. That was the love of his life. And, but it's just like that, the structure, it's the structure. It's like, I always come back to the fucking patriarchy. The structure is bad for everyone. And it's physically dangerous for women mm-hmm. in a way that it's, it's differently physically dangerous for men, but it's physically dangerous for women um, in, in this way. And yeah, it's, it's not a cycle easily broken. Mm-hmm. Right, even even the even the the nice guys, even like the genuinely, because Roderick Aaron does seem like a genuinely nice person, like, mm-hmm. um, kind of weird about being willing to have sex with with someone who behaves who's got the the cognitive the, abilities. The pedophilia is a little bit, a little, a little bit, you know, we get it gives a little, little gray area there, um, but he does, but that's not outside. That's not outside of what Westeros right. is. Yes. So, I don't know. That's unique to him. No, like he right. was not, he was the oldest potential suitor but um Boromund Baratheon was like 28 like yep it's very normal in Westeros to propose marrying like a man in his late 20s early 30s or even 40s to a woman in mm-hmm. her teenage years like it's gross but like mm-hmm. it's within the norms of society right. so like, do, yeah mm-hmm. but like personality wise like he's not like a gross man like he's like he's mm-hmm. sweet he seems kind um, the fact that he was totally comfortable, like, foregoing the bedding because it would have made his wife uncomfortable, like, mm-hmm. thank you, appreciate you, I wish more men were willing to do that in this society if it didn't, if their wife, you know, was uncomfortable about it. Like, there are things about mm-hmm. him that seem like a genuinely good person, but you're right, like, with even people who seem like genuinely, even men who seem like genuinely good people, who, like, mean well and intend well mm-hmm. and seem to actually care about and love their wives are going to be put into mm-hmm. positions where they do harm to them because the struck because... Yeah patriarchy is structurally harmful to women to everyone but like specifically like men will make choices that harm women in a way that like women cannot necessarily make choices that harm men exactly it's like the the patriarchy makes makes them monstrous Mm -hmm. and for no with no intent to be monstrous whatsoever no desire to be monstrous but the patriarchy causes that Mm -hmm. and i think that gets back to um kind of our themes that we started with not not to jump ahead to themes, but the you know Euro theme of sort of the Targaryen dynasty sort of being a microcosm mm-hmm. um, of the way the pa- the patriarchy grinds down, right. uh, you know, power, mm-hmm. um, and you know that this is a huge part of that. Right. The fact that the patriarchy innately pits men against women. Mm-hmm. There's like no way for them to be partners. Yes. With, under that structure. And we see that with Jaharis and Alisand. There's no real way for them to be equal partners under that structure. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because Alisand can't... It doesn't seem as possible for Alisand to just say, hey, how about Dayla doesn't get married? Or, hey, how about I don't have any more children? How about children? I don't have any more children? Yeah. How about we're just done? And she's like the most powerful woman in Westeros. Mm-hmm. And even she does not have the absolute ability to say no to things. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And some of that is and some and it doesn't even have to be coercive. It can just be internalized. And that I mean Exactly. That's, that's the thing about uh, it. And that's the thing. It's like that the, the structure makes them enemies. Yes. Yep. No matter what. Mm-hmm. No matter what their intentions are. Yes. 
you know. Right, which means that you will have women acting against their own interest because the system is making that the, the only viable choice. There's no choice outside exactly. of it. Um, exactly. Yeah. Ugh, um, I love it. Okay, so uh, anything else we want to talk about? Uh, da- oh, I had one more thought. Uh, one more thing I want to mm-hmm. talk about this whole thing is uh, how upset I am at the maester for how he describes um, what happens at the very end. I just I just got to point this out. Um, so okay. this is on 311. Um, Dayla's death tore the heart out of the queen. Um, there, I, I have a couple of quibbles with this whole section. It was plain to see that it. it is also so the first hint of the rift that would open up between her and the king. Okay, buddy. Okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> the first one. Sure, Jan. Okay. <laughs> we are we are well past first, my friend. Yes. Um, the gods hold us all in their hands, and life and death are theirs to give and take away. But men in their pride look for others to blame. Alisand Targaryen, mm-hmm. in her grief, blamed herself and Lord Aaron and the Eerie's Maester for their parts in her daughter's demise. But most of all, she blamed Harris. The level of the ah, the ah. You, you okay there, Gretchen? So you okay there? Me. So like this whole okay. thing just like bugs mm-hmm. the shit out of me. That like that like because this isn't just patriarchy. This is the way that their religion mm-hmm. is built into the structure of like what it what you are allowed to question and how you are allowed to respond to tragedy Mm -hmm. um and as someone who is raised in a very conservative christian environment and has had to do a lot of work unpacking my own religious trauma i read this and i'm like oh i know what that is i i grew up with that same mentality of like it's god's will and Mm. it's not it's not people's fault bad things happen because it's god will and you should just accept it and you definitely should not look to blame Anyone that the system might want to exempt. Mm. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. Because that's what she's doing. She's blaming yeah. the right people. Mm-hmm. But relig- like the religious structures cannot, because they are tied to the patriarchy. They rely on the patriarchy to exist. The faith and the patriarchy are not the same thing, but they are inextricably linked to each other and they support each other. Um. Mm-hmm. And so the faith cannot allow any room for people to question things that might lead them to question the the patriarchal system. Which means Mm. that when something like this happens, the religious response is going to be like, well, you know, the gods, life and death kind of sucks. Sometimes, sometimes people die early and it's really tragic, but it certainly isn't anyone's fault. And it certainly is not the fault of the patriarchy and men who are enforcing these structures and systems. And it's certainly not the fault of the men who caused this marriage to occur or caused this pregnancy to occur. No. No. Why would it be their fault? This is the gods. This is the gods. That's so gaslighting. Yes. That's so fucking gaslighting. That's like, oh. Because she is identifying the right people. Right. But it's labeled as prideful. Like, how mm. arrogant of you to in, to believe that you can assign blame, that you can know whose fault it is, 
and try and assign it to them. That's arrogant of you. That is prideful of you. You need to humble mm-hmm. yourself and accept whatever the gods bring your way. And mm-hmm. like, I read that and was like, ah. <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't I I I was not raised raised religious I've been an atheist the whole time Mm -hmm. um and so I didn't I didn't make that connection Uh but that's a really good point that they're the maester is trying to just be like oh this lady blaming people she should tragedy happens sometimes she was just so sad in her grief in her grief grief, in her grief she's just so sad that she acted out and started blaming these poor innocent men who we all know are not involved (laughs) Not their fault. Do you think Allison was in her grief, or do you think she was pissed as fuck? <laughs> she was pissed as fuck. I think she was pissed as fuck. I would love to see that on screen, like her coming back to King's mm. Landing after the death of Dayella with like Dayella's corpse and or ashes, depending. Um, mm-hmm. And the first confrontation with Jaharis. Uh huh. Yeah. Like I would love to see it this, this- because I think she would have nothing to lose at that point by going all in on him. Yep. And I think the text even says, like, his response isn't recorded. Yeah, it is not recorded how the king yeah. replied. I think she would be, like, furious and just, I think that that would be, like, a, a beautiful scene. Um, right. And to see his reaction, I would be so, I wonder, I wonder if Jaharis would feel guilty. Yeah. I think he would. Oh, ooh, here's a thought. Maybe that's why mm-hmm. he handled... Sarah and vice Sarah differently later on. That maybe he backs off on trying to to marry his daughters younger. Oh, so young. So young. Maybe. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That, that could totally be it. You're she, right. That she shamed him enough. That she yelled at him enough. That he was like, okay, maybe I should. Ooh, yeah. Maybe, maybe. He learned. He learned something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that connection. Ah, mm-hmm. hmm. oh, Yep. Yeah. Um, also, tiny note. Men used as the generic. This will come up again. The maesters do it all the time. Um, use men as a generic term. It says that men in mm-hmm. their pride, but he's talking about a woman. Because he's using, oh, he's using yeah. men as a generic. And this is just a thing that I want that like I that I notice and and want to point mm-hmm. out like how much this is sprinkled in the text. This is one of those like really subtle cues of patriarchy that when you use mm-hmm. male nouns as a generic or collective term for all of human beings, we do mm-hmm. it in our society. And it's patriarchal in our society, folks. Like mm-hmm. using a a male noun as a as a collective or generic for multi gendered group is patriarchal, and whether people mm-hmm. intend it that way, it is. It's part of mm-hmm. it's part of how like patriarchy gets baked into language, and then that language becomes how we talk about and understand and view the world, and like mm-hmm. become reinforces itself because it it communicates right. that like. Men is normative. Men is neutral. Men is unmarked. Like right, men is the default. Yes, men is default. Yeah, because men includes mm-hmm. men and women, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. Men is men. <laughs> like, right. And there are more genders. There are more genders than that. But um, but yes. <laughs> oh, by the way, I don't know if we talked about gender free on the podcast. Uh-huh. Um, but I've been pushing your term oh, you. on people. Uh-huh. Uh, the, I, I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast, but as a side note, Gretchen came up with a great term. Um to describe a, one experience of being non-binary, I guess is the I would even, like, I don't call myself non-binary because I, mm-hmm. like, um, I don't experience gender in, in, in like, in mm-hmm. any meaningful way. Like, I don't, I don't feel attached to gender. So for me, like, I'd been using the term agender for a really long time. 
Um, and it always mm-hmm. felt kind of weird because it feels like I'm missing something. Like I, like I mm-hmm. lack a thing because it literally means like not gender. Um, so right. I came up with the term gender free to be like, yeah, I'm gender free. I don't have a gender. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I was explaining that actually to one of my friends at MAGFest and she she uses she and they pronouns, but primarily she pronouns. And I'm like, whatever you want, I'll do. Please just tell me what mm-hmm. to do. And she's like, you could just use she, her. I'm like, okay, whatever you want. Um, uh, but she was talking about her experience with gender and that's how she described it. And I was like, man, do I have a term for oh, you? Great. Yay. <laughs> so I told her about it and she was like, oh, I really like that. And I'm like, oh, good. Fucking spread, spread it. it, spread it. Spread gender free. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> and I will just add one tiny caveat. It is if if someone is non-binary, they can identify as agender. Those are not technically exclusive. Like some people who, mm-hmm. who I have met some people who feel who also like me don't experience gender um, and they still are fine with non-binary as a label. This is, that's just personal for me that like I, yeah. I for yeah. me, I still feel like non-binary implies that like I have a gender. It's just not a binary gender. Um and right I'm, and and for some non-binary people that's what they're trying to right. describe mm-hmm. and but so that's the thing is like, i think we we need so much more language yes. in this particular area when it comes to gender identity i think that that's going to mm-hmm. be the, the the children of the future will come up with oh, more yeah. and more words for us but i really like gender free and i i did teach uh my friend that term and she was very excited fantastic by it. so hooray yeah spreading the word anyway right. uh, anyway this book that we're reading anyway, the fourth dornish war <laughs> uh, remember when that happened <laughs> <laughs> dumb this is just i don't know how long have been talking about daughters war it's stupid uh it is really this, dumb caroline <laughs> like i i don't even it's oh. like the, the, this dornish prince morian decides he's gonna he wants to invade where the stormlands because yeah. he's mad about the previous dornish war and he's like mad they didn't participate the old prince of dorn had died and his son morian martel had succeeded him in sunspear a rash and foolish young man prince morian had long bristled at his father's cowardice during lord rogar's war when knights of the seven kingdoms had marched into the red mountains unmolested whilst the dornish army stayed at home and left the vulture king to his fate okay uh, uh, determined to King avenge wasn't... the stain on Dornish ar- honor, the prince planned his own invasion of the Seven Kingdoms. This makes no sense. This makes no, no sense. Zero sense. sense. Zero fucking sense. I don't. I don't have an expl- like an alternative explanation, but something else happened. Yeah, like I just like I'm reading this and going, that's very silly. That's like this is like yeah. a dumb idea. Like so dumb Unless that I have a hard just, time like, a believing psycho. that this is what actually happened. <laughs> Yeah, unless he's just like a psycho. I mean, you know what I would say? I would say probably what happened is the fucking Westerosi did something that genuinely was like bad for Dorne in some way, and th- this was their response. Right. Yes. I doubt this has anything to do with the Vulture King. Yeah, I don't like that's like it all. Like the only way that that would make sense, like only under toxic patriarchy, would like staying out of a war in like in which you are not actually involved is viewed as cowardice. So that's point one that I'm like this. This doesn't make any sense. Right, exactly. Like, the Dornish staying out of Lord Rogar's war is like the smart thing to do. Was like a right, really they, smart they had, thing to do. Right, they had nothing to do with it. it had, the Vulture King wasn't theirs. Like there has, it, it was only a Dornish war previously, and that it took place in right, Dorn. Right, and it, and like it was primarily about Lord Rogar tracking down his brother. Like, <laughs> right, it had that fucking nothing shit all to do with the Dornish. To do like Dorn. So why would he do that? And like, 
why if like so even if even if you buy that maybe he just had such baked in toxic patriarchy brain just like deeply baked in toxic patriarchy brain and was like this is a slide in mm-hmm. our honor okay i think that is very silly but even if and like does it make sense with dornish psychology because dornish psychology right. seems to be like let's make sure that westeros kind of forgets that we exist mm-hmm. and we'll be fine right so even if we accept that which I think is extremely tenuous, but let's say we accept that. Why this plan? Why this is such a bad plan and doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in the whole like I'm gonna burn a hundred castles or a thousand castles or whatever, and there aren't that many. So it's like it sounds made up. It sounds like there was probably a very legitimate reason for the Dornish to respond in this way. And the maester is sweeping it under the this rug. Just, yeah, That's yes, this just sounds so much yeah. like propaganda. Like the kind of propaganda you make up when you know that everyone is super racist and will be like, oh yeah, those those Dornish, they just... this this It was the spicy peppers. That's what it was. This guy's so stupid that he even said he was going to burn a hundred castles when there aren't a hundred castles. Like, what a dumb, what a dumb-dumb. Like, that, that's Dummy. fucking Dornish for you. We have a right yeah. to burn their ships. Like, it's... That's the thing, too, is, like, the, the fleet is totally annihilated. Yep. And the prince is killed. Mm-hmm. So, like, a political ruler is fucking killed by the Targaryen king and his two sons. Mm-hmm. So we really gotta justify that. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, so some of my thoughts were, like, maybe he thought that Rogar's war had turned Westeros's eyes to Dorne? Or, I mean, but you, again, like, all, like, this is entire speculation because we have no idea what happened. But it does make more sense Mm -hmm. either as he had intel that the Westerosi were going to do something or the Westerosi had already done something. Mm. Yeah. The other possibility was maybe he wasn't actually trying to invade Westeros. Maybe that was all made up because he, like, he he had got a bunch of ships and was in the Stepstones. The Stepstones have been contested as f- as mm. long as we've been reading this book, like there's there are uprising yeah. the stepstones all the time. And why do you mm-hmm. want to control the stepstones for trade? The stepstones are like yeah. one of the like part of how you get to King's Landing to do trade is the stepstones. Mm-hmm. So like my leading theory is that this was not an invasion of Westeros. Had co- probably had nothing to do with Westeros and was about the fact that maybe the stepstones. This was another, things are happening in the step, people are fighting for control of the Stepstones. And it just so happens that the Dornish were maybe thinking that they could gain some ground in the Stepstones, not to fight mm. Westeros, but for trade. Because mm. that's what the Stepstones yeah, are for. Yeah, because they meet, I'm trying to see where the, uh, Jaharis Targaryen, his sons Aemon and, and Balon have been waiting as well, and as Morian's fleet beat its way across the Sea of Dorne, the dragons fell upon them. Right. So... Sea of Dorne. Where are you? The Sea of Dorne. Let's do Google. But like, who Googlies. is it that, that Dorian hires? Like, he hires. Um, he found willing allies in the pirates of the Stepstones, the Celsels of Mir, and the Courses of the Pepper Coast. These are all merchanters or people who prey yeah. on merchanters. These are like fighty merchant ships, and that to me is like, oh, this feels like trade. This feels like maybe yeah. Morian Martell was trying to assert um maritime trade was trying to like get you know his fingers into maritime trade yeah because if he was in the sea of dorne so the sea of dorne is if you guys know the map dorne kind of looks like a foot the sea of dorne is that body of water just above the foot between dorne and 
Cape Wrath. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the text says is that he was beating his way across the Sea of Dorne. He could have been going towards Cape Wrath to try to invade or whatever, but he could have also just been going east to the Steps. Right. Yeah. We we don't know. And that, yeah, that would make we sense. We don't actually know where he was headed because they never make right. it out of Dornish water. So we actually have right. no clue where they were going. So my, my I would love theory is to... it's some kind of alliance with, like, the pirates and the Stepstones to assert merchant control. And that the Westerosi were just like, mm. we can't have that. We want control over maritime trade. Oh, they're definitely invading. Oh, they're gonna, they're invading, they're an invading force. We have to take them out mm-hmm. to stop that invading force. I would love to ask Kylie and Julia to read the section. Yeah. And get their opinions. Uh-huh. I would love to see what they think because they, they know Dorne and politically they know Dorne inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I bet they could come up with some great stuff. But yeah, what is on page here seems not correct. Yeah. Not at all correct. I, li- I like your theory that they were doing something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like there was a little note about the bones of the dragon. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Morian had been weaned on the tales of past Dornish glory, and like many young Dornish lords, he had seen the sun-modeled bones of the dragon Meraxes at the Hellholt. Mm-hmm. I'm... Does that where Meraxes died? Was that Hellholt? Like, I'm wondering if they left the bones there or if they moved them. That's my question. I don't remember. That's a really good question. Yeah, was it the Hellholt? Yeah. In 10. In 10 AC, um... Rainies is leading the assault on Dorne. Um, after she burns Plankytown, she gets to Hellholt. And an iron bolt from the scorpion went through Meraxes's eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Meraxes also It was at Hellholt. Yeah, oh. yeah, at the Hellholt. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I don't know how quickly dragons decay. Maybe in the desert it's faster. I also don't know how visible the bones would be because deserts and sands and things, but like whatever, I don't care. Um, I mean, if I was the Dornish, I'd put that shit on display. Right? Yeah, yeah. Look, we killed a fucking dragon. Um, yeah, I like look at these fucking bones. Yeah, and I feel like the assumption, like they, you know, it says crossbowmen and scorpions, but like the ships have crossbowmen and scorpions, but like that also makes sense if you're not fighting dragons. Like those are just like pretty normal weapons to have i mean it also frankly was pretty dangerous for jaharis aemon and uh, balon to go into this fight because all of the ships had crossbows and scorpions and the only known way to kill a dragon by human hand at this point is a bolt through the eye Mm -hmm. and right right i i mean it was risky it was it was a risky thing they should have put like fucking blinders on there the dragon's eyes Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah, I I, yeah. I don't think that this is what happened at all. <laughs> this sounds no. this sounds made up. This sounds like the thing that you make up, both because you're racist and also because you want to justify killing a bunch of people. Um, you know what? Also, it could be they completely had, they wrong. Had weapons of mass destruction, Caroline. They were right. They had WMDs. They had WMDs oh my god! So, and so the Targaryens were the right yellow, to blow them up. There was yellow cake. There was yellow cake. Okay, wait. Let me let me tell you about yellow cake. Oh. <laughs> um. It could also just be totally fucking made up that they even had crossbows and, and scorpions because if they weren't going for the dragons, if they were going to the stepstones. Also, how would they know they burned those ships? I guess when they were, I guess because they would have been in, 
they would have been shooting at them. They would have had to assume, oh, that's a crossbow bolt. Oh, that's a... Also, crossbows would be really bad against dragons because you'd have to be pretty close to get them. Yeah. No, it has to be... Sc- only scorpions can only, really yeah, do anything. Crossbows uh, don't make sense. I don't know. I, it, it, there's so many holes in the story of the way the maester tells it. It just strikes me as not at all accurate. Except that the fleet was, in fact, burned. Yes. Yeah. Yes. A you Dornish know. fleet was burned uh, and the Prince of Dorne was killed. Yeah. And his daughter took over after that? Um, I, think it's, I think it's his daughter. I don't think it says. It just says Mara Martell became the princess of Dorne. I don't know the relationship. Oh. Uh, I assumed it was his daughter because that's usually how I mean, it could have been his sister. Depends on whether or not he was yeah. married and had kids. True. Um, but yeah, we got a princess of Dorne. Um, yeah. All right. So who gets shafted? Uh, the Dornish. The Dornish. Um, Dayella. Um... Um, also, I have this note that says, what happened to Roderick's first wife said not this maester ever. <laughs> <laughs> she had four children and then perished. We don't know uh, who That's she all is. you need to know. We don't know her name. That's all you need to know. What's the problem? Um, all right. So let's talk about themes and symbols. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'll do a little bit of symbolic work. I know we're going long, but I'll mm-hmm. do a little bit. Um, I will just. Are we going? We're going long, Gretchen. How could that happen that to us? Happens. That never happens. I've never heard of that before. Um, I will just say, if whenever you see a dragon battle, there's some symbolism that you could that you to look for. Um, hmm. Dragon meteors. We talked in in a previous episode that like dragons are symbolic of meteors because they are um, yes literally flaming objects falling from the sky. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so anytime you see a dragon battle, you will see some like dragon meteor stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like when it's talking about. Um, swooping and banking and loosing balls of fire you have these like flaming things falling from the sky lighting things on fire um that's a meteor anything that's flaming in the Mm -hmm. sky falling destroys things in a meteor so you've got some like dragon meteor symbolism happening here um Mm -hmm. the burning sea i know in another previous episode we talked about the theory that's um that like uh, a burning tree is like the burning Mm weirwood tree the tree is on fire um yeah well the tree the weirwood is where you you are a green seer and so one of the symbols that martin associates with with being connected to the weirwoods is like sailing the sea it's flying because you talked about how flying is the same as sailing because you ride a dragon Mm -hmm. you ride a boat there's symbolism Mm -hmm. connections there and so like and like being in the weirwood is like being on the green sea like you're a green seer but also you're on a sea Um, like the Dothraki mm-hmm. Sea is like a green grass sea where you ride a horse through right. a sea. Like you are mm-hmm. in the weirwood riding, you know, on the sea. And there are all ways to access things that are or are naturally beyond man's power. Mm-hmm. Like flying is naturally beyond man's power. Riding, being on the ocean yes. is naturally beyond man's power. But these are like ways that you're using knowledge to access uh-huh. power beyond what humans naturally yep. have. So a burning sea yeah. is a burning weirwood. And so, like, mm. and you're getting that symbolism here, too, that, like, the the sea is on fire. Like, there are burning ships on the sea, mm-hmm. and so the sea itself is kind of, like, the sea is burning. Um, mm-hmm. And it talks about the, the, the sun going down while the, while the ships are burning. And so you have, like, mm-hmm. the sun sinking into the water, and the sea is on fire. And there's, like, really some really rich symbolism in that about, like... Mm. Um, a celestial body falling into the sea and the sea burning and right um, so yeah a burning Ooh, sea is like that. a burning tree Ooh, i like love that oh, the sun setting mm-hmm. oh man that's great yeah so 
So that's why I keep coming back to this podcast. This is <laughs> anytime you see, anytime you see a dragon battle, you can look for the like these kinds of symbolism of like um, mm. the sun and the moon battling each other. Um, like a so if you find an eclipse, a solar eclipse is very common in mm-hmm. um, dragon battles where like the the moon covers the sun, so the moon is like mm-hmm. hiding the sun. Um, um, this stuff will even come up like um. There's like a someone has done I can't remember who but like a really good dissection of um the battle between the mountain and um why cannot Oberyn an Oberyn Martell oh there's like like uh-huh. like it, it you see very similar symbolism happening there too um between mm. the the mountain and Oberyn Martell so what's the symbolism though if like you just forget about the Iron Fleet. Does that? What's the symbolism for that one? <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Remember bad show. The bad show. I, I mean, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know that they care about symbolism. No, they don't. That, that's for eighth grade book yes. reports, Gretchen. We don't, like we don't theme, do that here. Symbolism is for eighth grade book reports, unless we make really cool sigils that people think are symbolic, but it means nothing. They like empty. They're finding yeah. empty symbols. <laughs> I, I, that that makes perfect sense to me. I don't see the problem. <laughs> Uh, the other big thing that we talked about a bit already is that there's no right way to be a woman in Westeros. Um, and I do think this is beautifully highlighted with the Targaryen princesses because you remove a, a class issue. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, or rather you give them so much power by being part of the ruling family right. that they're already po- more powerful than everyone else in mm-hmm. Westeros. So how is it? That they're still not acceptable. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's like they're still not acceptable. And the only two that we have at this point who are acceptable are Alisan mm-hmm. and Alyssa, right. and they marry their brothers. Yeah. Right, right. You know. And I think even the maester might be a little bit uncomfortable with how sex positive Alyssa is. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's mm-hmm. any way to criticize her, I think he would be like, maybe she shouldn't have to be so loud about it. But at least it's with her brother, yeah. and at least it's married. So, like, whatever, fine. Just and that's mostly yeah. because I get the sense that like Westeros doesn't that like like the history of our society for the most part. Westeros does not believe women have sexual desire mm-hmm. unless they're spooky, scary ladies, and then you should be afraid of them. Especially if they're your spooky, scary older yeah. sister, right? And especially if they're your spooky, scary older sister who likes the company of other mm-hmm. women. Right. has has her favorites right. then yes right. or or, or a spooky, spooky scary magic lady you know sometimes they are sometimes magic they're magic have, sometimes their vagina is magic in fact right. and, and that's very spooky that's and spooky. very scary and you should yep. be afraid of how much they want to fuck you yeah dude it's terrifying um <laughs> but like Alyssa seems exempted i think because from from overt criticism on that regard probably because she dies tragically and young. I was going to say the, the death, and yeah. And because she's mm-hmm. gleefully fucking her brother that she's married to. And, like, that's fine. Yeah. But, like, if she were mm-hmm. unmarried and wanted to have a lot of sex, that would be a problem. It's okay that she really enjoys sex because she's doing it within the bounds of a straight marriage and it happens to be to her brother right. and she's a ruling, you know, princess. So, like... Exactly. And she has two sons. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, all, all the fucking is producing the children yes. that the patriarchy yep. wants. Yeah, she... You know... She's doing it in the right way. If, if she's going to want to have sex, it should be with her husband, and it should be productive. Right. 
Exactly. I do think a lot of the criticism of her is tempered by the fact that she died yep. so young. We didn't talk too much about her death because there's not really a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of mentioned that like maybe she didn't die from the birth. Maybe she died from something normal mm-hmm. and uh, the maester's covering it up. Right. But, um, or the maester just doesn't know, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and when we look back on the Targaryens and, and particularly when we get to the end of Jaehaerys and Alicent and we look back on all their children and the ways they died, we can talk more about Targaryen exceptionalism. Um, but yeah, all the other daughters, just, and previous to this, I mean, mm-hmm. Queen Reyna, yeah. um, <clears throat> even people like Visenya, yep. Visenya who was ruling Westeros. Spooky scary lady. Spooky scary. Mm-hmm. And there's just like no right, and, the, and you know, Rhaenys wasn't really heavily criticized, but she also had a young tragic death, mm-hmm. you know. Right, and she uh, was pretty and feminine, and there were things mm-hmm. to like. At least that's how she's written about. You can turn her into this, like, figure of idealized Targaryen femininity because Mm -hmm. she dies so young and there's no chance for her to, like, outlive that. For Mm -hmm. her to, like, get older and become a problem. (laughs) Well, I wonder with Alyssa, if Alyssa had lived, Mm -hmm. you know, would she... I mean, she was very headstrong and... Would she have been gotten older and become a problem? Like, Alison is kind of starting to become, mm-hmm. you know? What do you do with a woman in Westeros when she's out of childbearing years? Right. You have no more... You have... You lose so much control mm-hmm. over a woman in patriarchy when they're out of childbearing years. Yeah. Because they've done that part, and now you can't get them pregnant anymore. Right. And if they're a woman in power, now they wield power. You know, they're not busy being pregnant and having small children. Right. Like, what if Alyssa Valarian had not died giving birth to Jocelyn and had just said, like, no, I'm done having kids. Mm-hmm. We already know that she was so much the power behind mm-hmm. Jaehaerys. She behind, was for a long yeah, time. For, behind the Regency. Um, mm-hmm. That, like, she could have become a problem. Yeah. Like, under, I think, I think in Westeros, like, the ideal, the I. So the ideal woman in in, in mm-hmm. Westerosi patriarchy is one who like is healthy and fertile and gives you several children and dies tragically in childbirth before she's able to become a problem. Mm. Like that, like yep. that's like like they would be like, great, I don't have to worry about an older woman. I don't have, you know, like mm-hmm. she's she she dies before she can become independent or like you said to be less controlled by pregnancy right and we see it with women in the in the song of ice and fire proper like the queen of thorns mm-hmm. you know she's called the queen of thorns for a reason because now she's an, a grandmother mm-hmm. and she's lived a really long time and she can throw her weight around she has weight and she's gonna throw it around she's gonna make you do shit she wants she wants you to do mm-hmm. um cat catlin is starting to get yep. there uh yep. as well uh, so we see it with you know various women mm-hmm. uh, throughout throughout the story. Right. Um, I I do wonder what would have happened. Also, this is interesting that Alyssa Valerian dies in childbirth, mm-hmm. and then Alyssa, who's the child named for her, yeah. also this is similar to what we see with uh, Dayla and Emma. Yeah, you're as right. Well. Uh huh. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. Um. Miguel is kind of like she doesn't really get criticized a whole lot, but like she's also pretty much sidelined. Yeah, she's just sent she's just, off. Like, a, like as nothing. soon as a woman joins, and that's the other thing that we've noticed in Westeros is like a way to keep a way to control women 
other than keeping them pregnant and married is just send them to the faith and then they're basically irrelevant. As soon as a woman joins the faith, yeah. like, they're pretty much irrelevant to life in Westeros. I mean, we saw that with the twins, with mm-hmm. Reyna's children, because the one of them went to, I forget which one, but one of them went to the to become a, a The septa. one that was actually and, Aria, but was going right. by Reyna. Or no. Right, exactly. Was it Reyna? No. No. Uh, and... I forget the other kid's name. Rayella? Rayella. No. Yeah, you're right. It was Rayella. Was it Rayella? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that like the one who was um, going under the name Rayella. Quotos. Scare quotes Rayella was who was a sep. I mean, she was a potential inheritor of the Iron Throne, right? And they sidelined her by sending her to the yep. sept. Yeah, it's a it's you know, and she became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and huh. the Silent Sisters too. This is this is something I think that will come up um, significantly in the next section, but in the, but in this section as well. One of the other options for what to do with Dayella is like, well, she can't. She doesn't want to get married. But she is bad for the faith, like, because she can't remember her prayers and she, you know, like, she struggles with reading. So we mm-hmm. can't really, she can't really become a septa. The only other available option is the Silent Sisters. And I think it's really mm-hmm. significant that Martin calls them the Silent Sisters. We haven't had a whole other chance to talk about this. But the Silent Sisters is, like, literally silencing a woman who cannot fit anywhere else in society. Like, the last option is just, like, mm-hmm. fine. We just literally silence them. Literally. Just, yeah. like no talking and they hang out yep. with the dead like yep just li- like the most silence a woman can be under patriarchy is to literally take a vow of silence and the funny part about that is like the thought that like dayello who's afraid of fucking cats could like handle a corpse <laughs> poor sweet baby what <laughs> oh, jaharis sweetie what <laughs> right but like that's where jaharis goes is like well i guess we send her the silent sisters and i'm like buddy yeah no just let her live just let her fucking be jesus um but yeah but even diella is like not quite right and we talked about that because that's because she's a targaryen princess that like under mm. westeros if she had literally been the daughter of any other person people would be like ah oh, yes the perfect wife <laughs> yes <laughs> she you know she's she's not all that smart she's very quiet very shy needs a lot of protecting this is the ideal woman under patriarchy but not for mm-hmm. not for a targaryen princess exactly um, oh poor dayla hashtag poor dayla <sighs> poor dayla like she's poor one out for dale fucking tragic um next time we're gonna have a lot of fun <laughs> oh my god the the line that the next section ends on is perhaps perhaps the worst line in the story i i don't know i don't know so next time we are reading from the top of page 315 starting at and now i fear we must turn our attention to one of the most troubling and distasteful chapters in the long reign uh which is we're gonna i I have a feeling next time we're gonna have a lot of thoughts Uh about uh about what happened and we're reading through page 326 326 the end of the first full paragraph um which ends with they have made our daughter into a whore allison said she always was the king replied jaharis just fuck you jaharis absolutely suck a dick fuck you just just, ah just ah my my friend Mm -hmm. all right my my good the good king yes what what a um this is caroline this is what a conciliator would say God fucking damn it. <laughs> I can't believe they he's known as Jaharis. Just, it just it just gets 
worse and worse. The longer you, you know? think about it, you're like, this guy, this guy this is guy? like the peacemaker. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Oh, all right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us for this. And let me give you some info. So if you want to um, contact us, our email is House of Fire and Blood Podcast at gmail.com. Instagram is House of Fire and Blood Podcast. Uh, we, we are coming towards the end of our, our season, mm-hmm. technically, uh, for uh, our podcast. This is, we're split the book into three seasons. So the end of season one will be the end of this chapter. Yeah. Um, so when we're done with this chapter, we're looking to do some kind of wrap-up episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few people who have contacted us already who we're going to reach out to about being guests on the podcast to, to sort of, I think, get in our ideas to do like shorter she quote unquote shorter, <laughs> like like hour long podcast with a guest to talk about like a specific topic. So anybody who's listening, if you're interested, we are take we're open invitation. We're taking people. Uh, if you have a t- topic you want to talk about, um, those episodes, we haven't decided yet if they'll be full spoiler episodes. But we're trying to focus on the section that we've already read from the beginning mm-hmm. through now and sort of analyzing that. And then Gretchen, I think you and I are planning to do an episode as mm-hmm. well, just the two of yep. us of. Because we, we kind of started the podcast with a concept of what we were going to be looking mm-hmm. for. And I think it's good for us to take a pause and look back and see if we... Yeah, how's it going? If we've done that, and how's uh-huh. it going? <laughs> did we discover... I think we discovered new yeah, stuff. Yeah, we did. I think so. Yeah. And I want to give a shout out to somewhere else in the world that's listening to us. Uh, so I'm going to take a look at our, our map that we have here. Um, have we shouted out India yet? I don't think so. We have a lot of downloads in the entire country of India. Wow. It's, it's kind of all over there. Yeah, and I'm going to zoom in and see if I could figure out what city this is around. Cool. Uh, they're all they're actually kind of spaced okay. out. But basically all over the country of India, we have um, a lot of downloads. Nice. So thank you, everyone. Shout out to our listeners in yeah. India. I would call it a specific place, but they really are like the way of the map. Like it's like scattered all over. So there's like there's like ten or twelve Sweet. different spots. Um, we got uh, a, a few are clustered around Chandrapur, which is right in the middle, and Nagpur, which is also kind of right in the middle. And then there's a bunch in the north. They're all they're all scattered all over the place. Um, oh, we have a bunch in New Delhi nice. and and the area around there as well. So that's really cool. I think it's so interesting. I, I love that. I, I'm fascinated the fact that anybody listens to us ramble. Um, <laughs> and the fact that it's it's around the world. It's just so interesting. And I'm, I'm so... I hope you guys like our words. Yeah. I mean, clearly. <laughs> I hope you like the words we say. I don't know. I don't know. I ho- Hopefully it's not just all bots listening to us at this point. <laughs> well, I, if, it, if you are bots, bots, I hope you are enjoying yourself. Welcome, Welcome. to... <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. <laughs> uh all right so until next time you ready to sign off uh remember the best way to keep your wife alive is to not get get her pregnant oh you want if you want a living wife just don't get her pregnant uh and until next time um if you want to be remembered as the good king and you want to be considered for perhaps father of the year maybe don't tell your wife we gotta marry this 13 year old asap (laughs) maybe don't do that (laughs) just a suggestion i have a few suggestions for jaharis and his father his fathering of these children (laughs) oh i mean uh, yes agreed don't marry your 13 year olds off yep let's let's not let's not do that
<laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll talk to you Bye, next everyone. time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Record. We are recording. We are recording. Let me move this a little <clears throat> closer. So you had a luxurious massage, is what I hear. Uh, yeah, luxurious. Well, my definition of luxurious includes like kind of beating me up. Um, yes. Oh, absolutely, a hundred percent. Yeah, it that's, was. It was a new right person kind of that I was seeing, and he was great. He has like a mm. medical background. I okay, so I'd never had this at a massage before. Where like the first five minutes, he was like, "Okay, so tell me about your medical history and anything I might need to be aware of about your body." And I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, uh, yeah, uh, okay, yeah, sure, <laughs> yeah." Like, do you have autoimmune things? Do you have you know like anything? He just want kind of wanted mm. to know anything about my body, and then was mm. like, "How how are you with pressure?" And I was like, "I like I like a lot of I like a lot of yeah. pressure. Like yeah. I, I'm not a very large person." Fucking- Fucking crush me, bro. Yeah. Like, I'm not very big, (laughs) you know? Like, I'm a tiny person, and so I've had massage Mm -hmm. therapists often be like, treat me like I'm delicate. And I'm like, oh, no. I have so much tension in my body. You got to push real hard in order for it to even do anything. So he did, and he was great about it. Um, Two things happened. One, halfway through my massage, he was like, so I have yet to find anywhere that is not really tight in in your body just just like and not like i just had a really good workout tension like Mm -hmm. it feels like your muscles are trying to hold your body together Mm. i was like yeah good to know i've been thinking of talking to my doctor about hypermobility Mm -hmm. um like a connect uh it's a connective tissue disorder where your ligaments don't work as well they don't do the ligament thing? Yes. They don't ligament? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they don't hmm. ligament very well. And so your joints can, like, move really, like, far past where they should because your oh. ligaments aren't, like, holding things in place. Um, mm-hmm. And often one of the signs is that is your muscles are really tight because the ligaments don't do their job. And so your muscles are like, mm. well, fuck, guess we got to do the ligaments job. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good to know that, like, literally everywhere in my body is just, like, clenched like all Mm -hmm. the time um and then the other thing that happened was i have i've been having neuralgia in my so like tingling and Mm -hmm. stuff in my right like forearm um Mm -hmm. for like the last year and i you know i'd gotten physical therapy i've done some chiropractic work with it but i just told him i was like oh just so you know like that's there so he started working on i was like yeah um you have what we call radial nerve adhesion and i was like Okay, I hear the word sticky in there. <laughs> yeah, okay, I got adhesion. I got that one. I got one. adhesion. <laughs> he was like, yeah, your nerve is getting stuck, like, in, Ooh. like, be- where your muscles and tendons are. Like, my nerve was getting stuck. Oh. And so it was getting, like, pinched. And so he was mm-hmm. working on it. And it. I mean, it hurt a lot. And then at one point, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, I've never felt this in my body before. I felt something snap oh god like in like a move kind of way and he was like oh gosh did you feel that and i was like yes i did (laughs) he was like yeah your your nerve just snapped back into place i was like oh did it feel better it does feel better it's been feeling better ever since i had the massage but it's such a weird sensation to have in your body to be like my nerves can move (laughs) 
They can. I mean, that's the thing is like they everything in there is kind of kind of it's kind of mushy, you know. But right. for our bones, we gotta have a, like a mushy thing going on. That's you gotta go back to him. Oh yeah, you find a good massage therapist. I had a good one for like a year. His name was Bashir. Uh huh. Um, and I told him all about Star Trek. I was like, "Have you seen Deep Space Nine? He's like, "No," and I'm like, "I'm about to advise you about this show of which you're named." Uh huh. Um, and he was so funny and so good because this man was like he was huge. He was like six or seven feet tall Ooh. and strong. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Beat me up, Bashir, please." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Are you sure?" And I'm like, "Just I wanna, I want to feel abused. I don't wanna leave this massage. That's like, that's the only way your muscles feel better, right?" Yeah, I was like, "I want to be inflamed for the next like right. three days. I want to feel kind of sore, but then after that, yeah. I'm gonna feel amazing." <laughs> exactly, exactly. 